Forget it, Jack. It's Chinatown. No horse shit, Wang. No horse shit, Jack. That's right. For the very first time ever, I watched... Big Trouble in Little China, but also it's not the first time I've watched it. This is a reverse episode. Yay! What is up, everybody? Welcome to Clear Tended Classics, the show where I, your host, Jake Ryan Baker, watch classic movies for the very first time and give my nostalgia-free opinions on them. Today is a very special episode. Actually, it is a very special episode. We have a return guest. Justin Richard is on the show. So nice to have you. It's nice to be back. Nice to be ripping and roaring again. I know this has been over a year since uh, Congo happened. (laughs) Since Congo happened. Yes. It's an interesting way to put it. Uh, But the other special aspect of today's episode is it's a reverse episode uh where you are the newcomer to the movie and i'm i wouldn't consider myself an old hand at this movie i haven't hadn't watched it in a while i'm watching it again it's one of those experiences where the scenes happen and you're like oh yeah this scene right 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 but i didn't like fully remember everything but it's like i remember just enough to like i wasn't surprised by anything i was like oh yeah it's the part where he shoots the rock and it hits his head and he gets knocked out or like oh the end where he's driving the monsters on the truck like i knew that was coming and and things like that but uh so not exactly an expert but not brand new to this movie so interesting placement for me but you're the newcomer and that's exciting that's always fun to do a little flip every once in a while and get to be the one that knows a little bit about the film and, and hear what people's like brand new fresh takes on a film is like having seen it for the very first time and as you said like last late last night was your you watched it for the very first time so <laughs> it's kind of exciting <laughs> yeah, very exciting yeah 9 30 at night fighting sleep because i am uh and i feel fairly old these days so <laughs> me past 10 o'clock is a rare occasion really 10 o'clock sober i guess <laughs> it's funny because uh when i was in west virginia i was like oh man i'm, I'm gonna have such a tough time because i knew we were going to be starting early every day and like doing like 12 to 14 hour days. And I was like, how am I going to get used to getting up at like six forty-five in the morning? Cause I, I haven't done that in a long time. Like even for work, the earliest I get up is like nine. Uh, and and I, I was routinely staying up till like five or six in the morning. And right. while I was out there, I, it just, you kind of just started collapsing at like midnight. Cause you, even if you were used to staying up super late, you just didn't have the energy. I finally got into like what I would consider a normal person schedule where I was going to sleep most nights by like midnight, one o'clock and getting up at like 7 a.m. And I was like, damn. And I I came back home to Indiana and for about a week I was like, I was staying up to like two or three, but I was getting up at like 10. I was like, this is like a more normal schedule. I like this. And now I'm immediately back to like staying up till like six in the morning again. So (laughs) it's, it's a, it's a weird thing where. I feel old too, but for some reason I just can't 
I just don't go to bed until the sun's almost up. And then I just like get up like super late in the afternoon and it's really bad for me and I need to get my shit together, but I just can't seem to do it. <laughs> it could be worse. It could be in my case where even when at nights I stay up late, I, I can't sleep past eight o'clock in the morning anymore. So <laughs> like we did, we did a poker night one night and it's just, uh, it, it went until four o'clock in the morning and I'm looking at the people that are left like, you guys need to get out of my house soon <laughs> and then go to bed and get four hours of sleep and wake up. And it's like, this is awful. What? I just remember when I used to sleep till two o'clock in the afternoon. And it's like, those were much more comfortable days. <laughs> like now where I came and watch, I came and watch a late night, a Monday night football game where it's like, well, I'm going to see a quarter of this. Then I'm going to be watching my eyes for the rest of the night. <laughs> no, but yeah, I, uh, <laughs> yeah, today I, I watched the movie today. Uh, actually, I was going to watch it last night, but then I dropped my car off to get fixed and I was hanging out with my dad. We were dealing with uh, family pet drama and stuff. And next thing you know, it's like four o'clock in the morning. I was like, I think I'm just going to watch it tomorrow. <laughs> so I, I got up today and the watched classic, it. classic, it can wait. <laughs> yeah. Which thankfully I got up plenty, plenty early enough to like get the, this was, I've had some recordings where every once in a great while. I'll literally be finishing the movie as it's time to meet somebody to record. Not the case today. I have plenty of time to like watch a couple videos to kind of brush up on some of my thoughts and stuff and uh, remind me of what other people t tend to think about the film and stuff mm -hmm. like that. But I'm curious uh, if people want to hear a little bit more about your movie taste and your background and stuff like that. I invite them to check out the Congo episode. We won't mm -hmm. rehash too much because it's all already been recorded and you guys can go give my other episodes a listen. You fucks. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, you guys are great. Listen. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, uh, uh, I did want to ask you, do you have any relationship with like, I, I guess the two biggest standout things regarding the, well, I guess maybe three. Hmm. I mean, I could, I could spin it in even more, but, uh, my my main questions are like, do you have any relationship with John Carpenter movies? Do you have any relationship with Kurt Russell movies? And I guess, do you have any strong feelings about like, the thing that's fun about Big Trouble in Little China is that it really has a lot of different genres that it's playing in. And it dips into like Chinese mysticism and Kung Fu and action. And I think a lot of people easily forget like, and I had forgotten that like this movie is actually meant to be very funny too. Like there's a lot of stuff that's, purposefully campy and silly uh so i don't know so you, i saw you shake your head when i said john carpenter yeah um i'm familiar with him i haven't watched a ton of his movies i know he did like the halloween obviously on a shoestring budget and right he, him and kurt russell did a lot of, like the escape from la and mm -hmm. i think the last movie i remember he made it was like with ice cube it was like ghost of mars yeah that movie's, like, i have not seen all of it but it's what's, like it's what's, a... <laughs> what's funny I, I just i was reading about him though with this movie and i read that this movie caused him to like want to leave hollywood and do like <laughs> and then i'm like because when i started off this movie was uh it was an experience for me i i don't i don't have a lot of you gave me a we were breaking down movies and i just i like to talk about stuff i think it's gonna be fun we're gonna have some laughs and yeah yeah continue yeah. on and on and it was just like there's a couple things i knew and we could have gone over but i just i also wanted to come into a movie with a completely clean palette for once sure and just try being introduced to new stuff and with kung fu, I gotta be honest, I'm not the biggest, like, kung fu fan, like, that genre, like, yeah, yeah. the Bruce Lee stuff, it just doesn't, doesn't get me, I'm not sure why. Well, what's interesting, as far as this movie goes, is it's not even so much of, like, the, 
Bruce Lee, Chuck Norris, or even like the, if you want to Americanize it a little bit, you've got the action movies from like the 80s and 90s was like with like Jean-Claude Van Damme and Steven Seagal, maybe the occasional Stallone or Schwarzenegger or whatever. But this is more like what I would call like mystical wushu is what they would call it. Like, and I, I'm not completely well-versed in that territory either, but I've seen like, it was funny watching this movie again reminded me of like the handful of like really random ass like because the thing is like they churn this shit out mm-hmm. like uh, and we just most of us never see it because it doesn't really cross the oceans or whatever but if you want to you can find a movie called the the jade sword and the three storms fight back or whatever and it's it's literally kind of this stuff only like a little more serious like just weird bad special effects and guys flying around like the world's like introduction i think to this was like crouching tiger hidden dragon Mm. that was like the prestige highbrow people on wires fighting each other stuff which i can't really say i can't really say much about it because i've actually never seen that movie it's it's on my list uh to do for the show eventually but i think my big thing is every time i consider doing it i go how long is this movie wait a second i was like i don't know if i got time for that Uh, that movie's like fucking two and a half hours long or something Mm. like that but I really wanted to watch it now because uh, one of my favorite films that came out this year was Everything Everywhere All at Once. Mm-hmm. And uh, the lead of that is, I believe, one of the major characters in Grouching Tiger. And it's like kind of what she's known for. So I was like, uh, I really should go see her like be awesome in that <laughs> movie. That'd be fun. But um, well, what about uh, so John Carpenter? He's he's an interesting cat. I, I I feel like I know more about him like. But I weirdly, every time I go back to his like filmography, I'm like, oh, I've actually not seen a ton of his movies. Like I've seen Halloween, I've seen The Thing, which I think is the thing is I think what most people agree are his best film, are his best film. That doesn't make sense. Uh, <laughs> is his best film. But I've never seen They Live. I've never seen The Fog. I've never seen In the Mouth Madness. I've never seen Christine, Prince of Darkness, Assault on Precinct 13. Like I go on and on. Like. The only ones I've seen are his escape movies, uh, Big Trouble in Little China, and The Thing in Halloween. Uh, and it was funny, I realized, like, rolling into today's episode, I was thinking about it, and I was like, I was like, what movies of his have I covered? And I was like, I think the only John Carpenter movie I've done for the show is one of my earliest episodes, is I did Escape from New York, and I kind of infamously shit all over it. <laughs> like, I was really unimpressed with that movie. And I don't know if it's because I had the wrong expectations going in, but I think Escape from New York is actually an incredibly overrated movie, personally. I But the thing is, that that's the kind of movie where, and it kind of bleeds over into how I feel about this movie a little bit. Like, Escape from New York is very much like a movie that, when I read people's reviews of it, I think they're projecting a lot onto the movie. Mm-hmm. Because Escape from New York is a very bare-bones Basically, like half the movie is Kurt Russell just wandering around dystopian New York uh, sound stages and saying nothing and just walking around. And I'm like, I think people just really like this world and they project onto it. It always, when I was a kid, me and my friends, we would like when I was really, really young, like like pre even moving to Monroeville, we would play like Power Rangers. Mm-hmm. And because the thing, and I thought about it later in life, and I was like part of what playing power rangers as a kid was so fun was because it was such a bare bones nothing show that you could just project yourself onto any character that you wanted to do and i've oh, I, I feel that way with escape from new york and a little bit with big trouble in little china 
Because with Big Trouble in Little China, it moves so quickly and it throws so much at you that it's a lot to handle, especially for a first mm-hmm. viewing, as you've kind of hinted at uh, before we started rolling. But it's also like, if there's anything that like grabs your fancy, it could really like tick a box for you and spin you off into all these things where... Like when you finish this movie, there's so many questions left unanswered and so many things for you to like fantasize about if you want to. Like, oh, there's this whole underground Chinese mystic world with magic and sorcery and monsters. And we only saw a couple monsters, but who knows what else is out there and all these legends and myths. And this, it feels like a world that you could tell a lot of different stories in if you really wanted to. And I could Mm -hmm. see why that would capture some people's imagination a certain way but on on another level if you're a film viewer who's looking for a specific experience like a cut and dried like fun action movie that gets to the point this is a little weird of an experience or whatever but uh i guess before we talk about the movie specifically was there anything you wanted to say about kurt russell (laughs) uh yeah kurt russell i probably one of my favorite movies of him is obviously a three thousand miles to graceland right it's not the greatest movie but i something i grew up like I said, some I grew up watching, at least the genre, which is, you know, corny action, funny mm-hmm. com- mixes of comedy and stuff like that. And I think I was going through the, cause I was going through all of like his movies that I've seen before and I've actually liked. Uh, I liked, I, I like him in a, it's a completely different thing, but I like him in a miracle, the miracle on ice one about the hockey team. Sure. Sure. Yeah. So I'm, if, I, I'm not opposed to watching Kurt Russell. I just know is I haven't really dipped into his pre his 80s stuff where it's like you know this and like tango and cash and yeah escape from new york i think that was in the 90s actually i'm not sure but yeah escape from new york no i think escape from new york was before uh this because big trouble in little china people always say is the fourth time him and john carpenter collaborated so he had done that was 81 i was way up yeah he did escape from new york and he had done the thing with john carpenter escape from la was 90s yeah, Escape from L.A. was the ill-fated sequel that they decided to make that I weirdly maybe like more than New York just because it's so weird and so balls-to-the-wall campy that it's kind of fun to watch versus Escape from New York. I think Escape from New York is a movie, if I watched it again, I probably would like it a lot more. I just was really hard on it for some reason when it first came out. But, I mean, talking Carpenter and Kurt Russell doesn't really get much better than The Thing. Have you seen The Thing? Uh, no, and okay. I just... I'm not, but there's just one scene there with the dogs. That I'm like, yeah, I don't want to watch that. Uh, yeah, I mean, it doesn't really end super great for the dogs, but I mean, yeah, I guess I don't know. For me, I'm like the dog thing with movies is I'm like, it's like not like the dog actually got hurt. It's just I know it's just <laughs> it leaves an imprint on my brain. That sure, the thing is a movie that I do definitely recommend because it's like legitimately great and it's. It's like a nearly flawless movie and it's a movie that super holds up to like a first time watch because there's so many twists and turns. And if you're not incredibly familiar with the movie, it's got a lot of fun shit to throw at you. And Kurt Russell's so good in it. And Keith David's amazing in it too. Uh, I'm trying to think of as far as Kurt Russell goes, the thing is, is huge for me. I'm a big uh, champion of, of Quentin Tarantino's death proof. Yeah. I actually really like that movie a lot. Uh, I'd be remiss if we didn't at least bring up for two seconds Tombstone. Oh yeah, that's not one, that's one of my favorite of his. I like that. <laughs> yeah, I, was, I, I feel I, think, I feel I like I, I had you associated with Tombstone in my head. I think I've let you borrow it in the past. Yeah, so I was like, I was like, I think Justin likes Tombstone. So mm, I forgot. <laughs> yeah, Tombstone's uh, 
Val Kilmer really steals the show in that movie, but mm-hmm. Kurt Russell's great. You know, I think I think that's the movie where he gets the and hell's coming with us. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like Kurt Russell. He's just so. Is he like the greatest actor of all time? Probably not. Mm. Uh, but like, he's just so. He's such a classic movie star, like charismatic mm-hmm. and interesting looking. Watching this movie was a good reminder of like how good looking he can be when he wants to be. He gets to have this like flowing hair and he's fucking jacked he's in this the, in this movie. He's got the eighties, nineties tank top that every yeah. kid has to wear. <laughs> it's like he just is really good looking, which reminds me my one of my this isn't even a deep cut, but a movie I grew up watching a lot when I was a kid was Overboard. Uh, which is, if people don't know, this movie where uh, Goldie Hawn loses her memory. And it's like the implications of it are pretty troubling when you really break it down. But basically the premise of the movie is uh, Goldie Hawn is this really mean rich woman who treats him like shit early in the movie. And then she appears on the news having lost her memory. And so he convinces her that they're married uh, and that the kids that they have or he has are hers and just sort of like tricks her into like taking care of his house and kids because he's like welcome home honey all right you do you do the dishes and cook dinner and she's just like what the fuck and like it's like a fun love story or whatever but again like the implications are very like oh wait a second this is very troubling manipulation (laughs) is not the uh, (laughs) it's funny they did the remake and i never got around to watching it because i just was like i don't really know if i like part of the charm of Overboard is the eightiesness of it. Yeah, I, <laughs> I was also not prepared for that in this movie as well. All the eighties stuff. Or yeah, <laughs> just how many times were there? Like when the first gunshots were going, like, oh my god, this is where they had to use fake, fake sounds. Yeah, I will say though, um, when this movie first started, so there's two things about the beginning of this movie before we fully dive into it. The opening scene that's in, I think most cuts, at least it was in the. By the way, guys, this movie is free on YouTube, which is super cool. Yeah, that's how I came across it. Uh, uh, It opens with a scene where Egg Shen's being interviewed by this guy. That was a very late addition to the movie Mm -hmm. because, so in terms of like groundwork for this film, which obviously I'll be curious to see how you feel about this because this movie sort of become infamous for a lot of the lore behind it is basically like John Carpenter, like the, the trick of the movie is supposed to be even though it seems like Kurt Russell's the main character and Jack Burton's the protagonist or whatever, the whole movie is he's like kind of out of the loop, fumbling all over himself, doesn't know what's going on, fucks up constantly. <laughs> and Wang is like the much more competent character. And, and, and like a lot of people will argue that he's that the, the trick of the movie is that Wang is the real protagonist and Kurt's a sidekick and he just doesn't know it. But watching this movie again, even having that mindset, I don't know. It, it really walks along a weird line because like the movie still does depend a lot on Jack and Jack is a big driving force in the film mm-hmm. and he does a lot and he even gets like her- occasional heroic moments, even though he gets undercut a lot too. Mm-hmm. So there's this, the, my point is like people really champion this as like a, this is a satire on like the uh, white protagonist saving uh, like minorities and, and blah, blah, blah. And like, I don't really find on this recent watch that it actually cuts that deep but i'm also like technically for a mid 80s movie it's probably still pretty damn progressive for that time especially with how it treats the subject matter like there's not a lot of like 
there wasn't any moment in the movie where I was like, "Ooh, that was that didn't age well." I mean, I think <laughs> I mean the original three gang members come out. Guys wearing glasses where the eyeballs have it's just a line. I was like, that I couldn't take my eyes off it when it popped. I was like, "What the fuck is he? Wearing? Are those supposed to be like?" I don't want to say it, but like, is that what that's supposed to be? And I don't know, but I think it doesn't help the fact. This is my opinion. The actor playing Wang has the acting chops of an eggplant. In my opinion, did not help as well. We can get he's we, charming. His it's there's just certain times where he's delivering his lines as if he's reading his grocery list. Yeah, there's 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 occasional times when he's supposed to be having banter with Jack, and it does sound like he's like Kurt Russell's like no horse shit wang and he's like no horse shit jack and you're just like okay like, what, put, put a little emphasis on that but the, they're going to pick up his uh girlfriend whatever and he's just like we're going to get married and like, <laughs> we're going to pick like, we're going to get married it's like you sound super excited for that, but. <laughs> yeah i didn't do a lot of research on uh i believe his name is david dunn yeah i don't think uh nobody besides kurt well kurt russell and kim cattrall there was like i looked it up as like don't know him nothing well, yeah, this movie's uh, uh, yeah, Dennis Dennis Dunn. Um, the movie, some of the side characters though, like James Hong is low pan, mm-hmm. and like everybody knows James Hong. He's been in literally two hundred movies and God knows how many TV shows. Like James Hong has been in. He's in the original fucking Blade Runner, <laughs> and he's he's in Everything Everywhere All at Once, which is a movie I loved this year. Uh, <laughs> it's like he's he's a very famous face. Uh, there's a couple henchmen that were fun to see. Uh, Al Leong is one of the guys that's leading the uh, the Red Turban Gang or whatever they're called. And I was like, I was like, you, I was like, if, even if people don't realize, like his face is like you've seen his face. He's in fucking I, Die Hard. I like, honestly like, <laughs> feel like they lump so many different gangs and everything else. It's like it's hard to keep track of who's who. Yeah, there's the guys that there's were literally like four chinese games in the first 20 minutes like, yeah because it's, it's it's hard to keep track of because it's like uh there's the guys that wear the white and yellow who are like kind of the good guys and there's the guys that wear the black and red who are warring with them but there also seems to be a separate faction that is the faction that kidnaps uh the <laughs> girl at the airport uh so that and that's a that's a separate group and then that group sells her off to another group called like the white tigers who like traffic women and they're a whole separate group because the storms descend on them and steal the girl from them. So like, it's, it's actually like there's a lot going on. Uh, meow yin. Uh, I think I have a nude on <laughs> But yeah, Al, Al Leong is great. And then, uh, also in the same gang with Al Leong is, uh, someone who I've seen in like a trillion movies too, Gerald Okamura, which I mean, yeah, is he probably Japanese playing a Chinese person in this movie? Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> like, it was the 80s. <laughs> yeah, it's like, well, I thought it was funny when I first saw this movie. I confused this with another movie that I had heard of, like a movie that Brandon Lee was in it, but that was... <laughs> Showdown was, in Little Tokyo. <laughs> yes, it's like, it's like, oh, this is not that at all. It's like, yeah, and, Showdown and, in Little... And I'm pretty sure Brandon Lee is not from Tokyo, so... <laughs> yeah, Brand, I mean, Brandon, yeah, Brandon Lee's like, uh, obviously, Bruce Lee's son, yeah. uh, and... That I've actually seen that movie. I don't know if you've ever seen it, no, uh, I, but it's I, it's Brandon Lee and Dolph Lundgren. Yeah, I, uh, I, I've read about it because, uh, <laughs> well, when I got big into The Crow, I obviously want to see more Brandon Lee. Yeah, and there's only so many movies you can see yeah. with him because, like, I th- I think I've watched pretty much all because, of them. <laughs> well, because I remember reading an article about it where, like, he did 
he was trying to follow more like Bruce Lee style with movies, and he switched that for The Crow, which, yeah, in my opinion, is one of the most underrated superhero movies of all time. Yeah, it's it's funny because The Crow's been big on my mind lately because mm-hmm. I'm actually it's starting to look more and more like uh, I'm going to be working with somebody on uh, a fan film of The Crow nice. that I wrote, mm-hmm. like because uh, the no, I'm not going to spoil. It. I'm actually not going to go down that rabbit hole because <laughs> it should be a good a fun surprise. But just as a teaser. There might be a fan film based on The Crow that I wrote that gets yeah. made very well, soon. Because I remember uh, last year on Halloween time, I just started watching. Like, I'd go to the gym and get on, like, the stair climb and just put it on. Like, I'd put the movie on. I'd just keep watching it. Oh, yeah. The Crow is just, it's such a watchable movie. And I'm also, my big hot take with The Crow franchise is I actually like the first three movies a lot. I haven't, but, I haven't uh, seen the other two. I just hasn't. Like, the first one is just so... It just is such a lightning in the bottle situation where it just it's just so unique mm-hmm. and of its own like piece and and then just you know the tra the, the tragedy of Brandon Lee like having died doing that mm-hmm. movie and them still piecing it together and making it work and just all the people that are in the movie are great mm-hmm. uh, and, but then I actually think the second Crow movie is surprisingly good uh, and I, I like that movie a lot I love the way it looks the third one is the it's like not great but it's pretty surprisingly watchable like i i I assume most people don't even know that there's multiple crow movies Mm. i believe there was a tv show too yeah they try to do a tv which i never dipped a toe into but i've i've read (laughs) they tried to do 100 remakes they've been very much threatening to do a new one really soon i think the closest one they had where they had jason momoa tied to it yeah that wasn't gonna work no i think i i I think jason momoa is a hunk and whatever but I, I genuinely don't think he's a very good actor. Well, yeah, it's just it's the shirt off, and he has he has a good he has the acting ability of a pro wrestler. I would say. Well, what's funny is like Brandon Lee wasn't really known for his acting chops when he took on the Crow, and I think people were pretty like the Crow wasn't like some big franchise or anything like yeah, that. Just, if people don't know, the comic book is wildly different from the the movie that they made but um the guy that wrote the comic uh wrote it basically his girlfriend died in like a car accident and he just like took his grief like the comic's very esoteric uh, and it was just it's just a guy just trying to express his grief at the loss of his loved one Mm -hmm. and it's like if you love the movie, you won't necessarily love the comic book, but it's still really interesting to like look through. And, and the art's pretty unique. And then the guy that wrote the comic book became really good friends with Brandon Lee while they were working on the movie. And then fucking Brandon Lee died. And it's like this guy's life is just like plagued with losing like close loved ones. I've always thought uh, the guy, I'm blanking on his name, uh, but uh, I've watched interviews with him and he's a really interesting dude. And I've always thought... Uh, secretly they they should consider doing like a biopic of him i think he he actually there'd be there's a really interesting movie you could make there and what's funny is he looks a lot like anton yelkin i used to say oh you know what it would be great is if anton yelkin played this guy in a movie and then fucking anton yelkin died and i was like <laughs> what the fuck curse <laughs> a straight curse but brandon lee's so like in showdown in little tokyo he's very like average action guy mm-hmm. like borderline keanu reeves-esque in that movie and we yeah. know too much yeah and then <laughs> we know too much he said we know too much man uh but the joke of that movie is that dolph lundgren is the one that's like knows all the japanese stuff he like lives in a japanese style house and is basically a samurai guy 
So it's like, even though Brandon Lee is the one with Asian heritage, <laughs> Dolph Lundgren is the guy who's speaking Japanese in the movie and stuff, uh, which it's a fun movie. That movie's fun. Uh, the other action movie that I'm rapid fire, that's kind of a hoot if you want to see Brandon Lee do more stuff. Um, but him and the crow, he really like, you could just tell he finally got to do something more dramatic and really went for it. Yeah, and you- I love his performance in that movie. And every it's just like such a tragedy that we were robbed like i think after that movie we were going to start seeing some really interesting shit from him mm-hmm. and it just sucks so much that we it, lost that for me it's <laughs> up there with like the heath ledger and the dark knight oh for sure it's, yeah it's just like they turn this performance that you're not expecting that they just knock out of the park and you want more but obviously it's like yeah yeah and uh but damn yeah i don't know how we got on this topic but <laughs> uh, it's uh so <laughs> yeah the the crows it's just the crows been on my mind a lot lately so I gonna, I, I of course was gonna so, jump on it any chance to talk about it well i was gonna well, you can cut this out it's up to you but i was gonna su- actually suggest that as like because you were doing like halloween themed stuff yeah i was gonna suggest that but i know you said you like to try to do newer stuff so i was like yeah i mean that's old enough that i could just I, i'm actually recording an episode tomorrow on like a, a movie that came out like fucking six years ago so i'm all over the map on okay. on this show like the crow is a fantastic movie and yeah, like cause, cause I, we, I would love to introduce more people to the second one though right. i think that movie is pretty underrated we, uh it gets overshadowed because the first one is so iconic yeah, yeah that's where but, it's one of those things where like it's like trying to watch for me it's trying to watch like uh who jared leto as the joker it's like yeah it's like it's gonna be disappointing and it's just and i read the i read like just if i have ah, no, if i have no, ah, ah, <laughs> Ah, ah. <laughs> all that talking's gonna get you in trouble i don't know what he says i'm just gonna hurt you really really bad <laughs> but yeah but like if i if i'm interested in movie, but it's like i don't really want to watch like i read like the plots of those ones so i would like to see them though they're the second one's really fun for if you're a big fan of the first one though and you've never checked out the second crow movie they really tried to take elements from the first movie but still put a fun spin on it like in the first movie, rain is this huge element. So they, in the second movie, they take fog and have that be the weather element that's really incorporated. The movie's very yellow and has this really specific look to it. And also they do a fun thing where it takes place a lot, a lot much later. And Sarah's like yeah, in the movie and she's like grown up now. I, who, uh, I recognize the actress for Sarah. Yeah, she's, yeah, she's is recognizable. It, uh, is it, uh... I want to say it's like Mia Kirshner, but I might. Yeah, I think it's Mia. Yes, Mia Kirshner. I remember. I remember now. Uh, But it was. I believe I was just looking at recently because I was watching clips from Not Another Teen Movie, (laughs) (laughs) and I think that's her. Right? She's the. Uh, Yeah, I think she's like she's the evil stepsister or actual sister in the movie they're making. Yeah, she's like so. uh, If we have the same mother (laughs) tonight, I'm gonna. Fuck my brother. <laughs> I love that movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's her in the second Crow movie. She's great. I love her. God, now I just want to watch the Crow movies. Like, uh, <laughs> I might check out the second one sometime. I, I feel like I don't want to oversell it. It's not like a fucking masterpiece <laughs> or anything. It's just like, like, uh, have you ever seen the Johnny Cash Hurt music video? No. Uh, the same guy that shot that is the same guy that shot the crow movie mm-hmm. and they actually have weirdly similar looks uh the john cash hurt music video is fucking fantastic by mm-hmm. the way highly recommend it if you're well, okay with having your soul ripped out uh- <laughs> well another thing with that one i don't want to ruin stuff but like 
one thing I love the most about the first Crow movie, even though it's like a guy resurrection, it's a very, it's a simple plot where, you know, he gets killed and it's, I, I like revenge films too. Oh, everybody. I can, I can get into those like hardcore. I was it's, having a conversation with the guy I might be working on my fan film with. And I was just like, don't know what it is about revenge films, but he's like, he's like, it's cause everyone's been fucked over in their mm -hmm. life and they want to, they wish they could get vengeance and it's just cathartic to watch. That's one, well, one of my favorite <laughs> quotes from the movie is the beginning quote by, uh, I think Sarah, where it's like, uh, Sometimes something bad so happens that uh, it's like the crow like takes soul the next round, and some, but sometimes something bad so happens that yeah, yeah, something so bad happens yeah. that soul will come back, yeah, or whatever. And like, for me, it, that's why I love that the crow's a franchise, and I have I'm not going to say them out loud on the podcast, but I have multiple stories that are set in the crow universe because I think it's a pretty simple concept. Yeah. The basic concept of a crow story is. You and someone you love dies violently. Mm -hmm. You come back for vengeance. Yeah. And you could do that a million different ways. And they do that in the other Crow movies. Like, yeah, but... they, in, like in the second Crow movie, it's his son that gets mm -hmm. killed and that he wants to get vengeance for. And it's mm -hmm. like really an, an interestingly tragic angle. And yeah, so it's just, I don't know. It's just, I just, I just read like the plot in it. Spoiled, but it's like reading about like like a secret cult and yeah you know, that like stuff's super, really weird <laughs> super spookier it's like the first one's just it's a detroit gang member that's yeah but it does have all that weird shit with yeah. michael wincott and his sister i and... guess michael i can see michael <laughs> wincott pulling off a lot of that. <laughs> the one thing that i laugh about the movie is just like they i don't know if it's from the comic book but they all the villains name are like the most basic names oh yeah, it's yeah. like tin tin top dollar <laughs> Fun boy, <laughs> T Bird. It's so good though. Uh, they're they're oh, yeah. memorable. You remember all their names. Yeah, yeah, uh, very true. It's funny because in this movie, the names are all very like yeah. weird right. and comic booky too. Bang. Like, oh, this man is named Egg Shen. Sure. Low Pang. <laughs> Low Pan. Low Pan. I'm yeah. Gracie Law. I'm yeah, a I'm what, a lawyer. I, I rolled my. It's like, did David Blaze, the fireman, not, have, not come in? Les McBurney. Have you have you seen that meme? No. Where it's like. The perfect name for a firefighter doesn't it, and then it's like Sergeant Les McBurney, uh, <laughs> a serial killer, John Murder. <laughs> but the, the names are all memorable. You remember Wang? They yeah. say Jack Burton five thousand times in this movie, so you have to. Remember he even that. says it once. It's like who? <laughs> me? <laughs> me? Jack Burton? Uh, Kurt Russell's pretty infamous for ba usually when he does a movie, he'll pick someone to imitate. Like he always says that he did. Uh, Clint Eastwood for the mm -hmm. Escape from New York movies. For this one, he's doing John Wayne, just like right. straight up. He's like, I can see that now. Like <laughs> back, because there's <sighs> like he already has a little bit of a John Wayne thing going on, but like he's really leaning into it for this movie. He's like, let me tell you, old Jack Burton. Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> like, it might as well just be saying Pilgrim after yes. like every line. He's like, I got yeah, it's, it's my wife says I go too fast, Pilgrim. <laughs> But I'm out here. I got the reflexes. Uh, like it's just you just. I pay your. I paid my dues. <laughs> uh, but yeah. So, but yeah. I wanted to talk a little bit about the. A lot of people think this movie's very subversive and that it upends the trope of the white protagonist bumbles into this mystic world and just saves the day. Uh, I've seen some people feel like the uh, like that. Kim Cattrall and I forgive me I don't know the other neither, actress's neither name off I. top of my head because uh, I don't know if she's really done a ton of things. Her name is uh, Susie Pie. She plays Meow Yin, and she <laughs> she's been in four movies. 
I'm sorry, that's just a <laughs> Yeah, I guess now that I say that out loud, she was in the first Rambo movie. That's kind of cool. Hmm. Um, but yeah, she's only been in four movies. So I don't know her particularly well, but I, I saw people saying like, oh, the, yeah, the, the women in this movie have a lot of agency. And I was like, do they? Because they mostly spend most of the movie kidnapped. I cannot. Like, like Gracie Law gets to kind of bumble around and do some stuff, but... It's <laughs> not good though if like pressure removed i can't remember a single line from any of them it's like from from meow yin yeah meow yin or even kim cattrall like <laughs> i remember a lot of her lines because the way she like come like she's in, in the airport but when she comes into that shop she literally like takes her cloak off she's like i was like oh you're like going balls to the wall camp for this aren't you because she's like don't worry it's just me gracie law and i was like what the fuck like, yeah it was a long time before sex in the city i can see <laughs> i think she's really charming in the movie though like she's she seems like more than anybody in the movie she knows what type of movie she's in i think the only reason she sticks out as much as she does is because no one else is matching her level of camp yeah like even though the movie's supposed to be really goofy there's huge comedic beats in this movie I don't like i don't remember laughing last night either <laughs> oh i giggled a lot i wasn't like i wasn't like guffawing or anything but there's like moment like there's like a moment where they pick up the guns and kurt russell's like give me that he like takes the uzi and like hands the pistol to wang and then wang looks over eddie and sees eddie has a shotgun and like takes it it's just like a really quick moment and i like like giggled i was like that was funny like a like, really good moment is like He's like, all right, this is the exit. He like throws it open. And yeah, just like a million one. guys there. He's like, guys, I think yeah. we're trapped. Like, yes. Okay, yeah, that one I remember. I was like, okay, that's kind of <laughs> And there's like just some goofy shit. Like he throws the knife and it just or, whiffs completely. You're just like, what the, the fuck, dude? Or the or the, the wheelchair one I could see being seen as funny. Right? Yeah, he's just like, he's just like trying to muscle his way back up. I was just like, Jesus Christ. Uh, um, like, yeah, so... But yeah, you know, like problem with comedy is it's it's like yeah. subjective and you'll either think something's funny or it's not. Like I found her like the biggest thing, like I want the reason I went down this whole rabbit hole in the first place was because I wanted to say the opening scene was added after the fact because a lot of the executives behind this movie were like, well, we're this movie's weird. How's come Kurt Russell doesn't just save the day and win all the time? Like you need to like make that more clear. So they added this scene at the beginning where egg Shen's like, you leave Jack Burton alone. He's a, he's a hero. Like they just added it after the yeah, fact. It didn't to like didn't, open the movie. It doesn't gel yeah. with the movie. No, it doesn't. All. It's just like, okay, well what happens to him? And it's just, you don't know. And, yeah. And then it's like, and then, and then he does the lightning, which like is a terrible, like you, you want to see the magic in, you want to see Kurt Russell experience the magic mm -hmm. along with him and that's when you should be first introduced to it. Instead, they have to like set the ground that there's going to be magic in the movie because people were too stupid to like just go for the ride. So I kind of watching this movie that that all came back to me, and I pretty much pretend that this first scene doesn't exist. Yeah. Well, uh, well, <laughs> well, it's even like, why is there any reason for attorneys or cops to be involved? Because it's, it's, it's just like <laughs> it's just so I, I didn't catch it till think about it now. Like I remember thinking like. Why is there an attorney there? Why? Is yeah, it, it was literally just something that John Carpenter added to appease the producers, uh, and just because, like, we gotta say that Jack Burton's a hero. So yeah, th this first scene sucks, but it's not really anybody's fault other than dumb producers. Yes. Uh, and again, it's tough because it, it's funny that you mentioned like John Carpenter basically was like fuck Hollywood after this because this movie flopped. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> it flopped. Yeah 
bad. It was like a nineteen million dollar <laughs> budget. I think it grossed eleven million. I think I saw. Yeah, it or something and like that. it's just it sucks because like it it's become like a cult hit today, and regardless of it, whether it gelled with you personally, there's a lot of people that really love the movie, yeah. and there's no reason why it shouldn't have done better than it did. It just was marketed really terribly because they didn't know what to do with it. They're like, this is like a weird Chinese magic adventure. Mm action yeah. comedy we we don't know what to do yeah, well, with a lot of my preconceived notions of it was like said first of all it was the brand lee film so it was kurt russell in my mind i'm thinking it's gonna be like okay it's gonna be like an action scene we're in chinatown maybe some kung fu yeah and then like i looked at it, it's like oh kim cattrall's in it i've heard of her i was like okay <laughs> and then i watched the trailer and it's like what <laughs> i watched the trailer i read it, and i was like okay this is gonna be a horrible movie and then i look up on right to mail and it's like 75 on credits 80 on audience and i'm like so I went there with some expectations like, okay, like prove me wrong. Yeah, it's just yeah like, the thing with this movie is that it's not, I don't think objectively it's a very good movie, uh, but it's, I was watching Red Letter Media's review of it today as like a refresher and Jay, if people aren't familiar with Red Letter Media, one of the people on Red Letter Media is named Jay and he has this line where he says like, he's like, while you're watching, he's like, Big Trouble in Little China is not like a perfect movie. He's like, but while you're watching it, it feels like the greatest movie ever made. Again, agree to disagree. I know you said you found a bit of it to be a slog or whatever, but it is like when you're on the ride and you're actually just invested in, in and in letting it wash over you and enjoy it, it's really fun. And that was what I felt when I first started this up because did the bullshit egg Shen Jack Burton's a hero scene or whatever. But then the second the music kicks on, and I see the truck driving down the highway and everything just immediately felt like eighties film. See the old ass as my first note was the old ass Fox picture before it. Yeah. Fox like, Whoa, that's, and I was like, I, I literally like, I was like sitting there and I, I just started smiling. I was like, I was like, Holy shit. I was like, this is just such a, they just don't make movies like this anymore. Like nothing feels like this anymore. I have such like, even though I didn't grow up in the eighties watching like these, like, late 80s early 90s like the music and the the way everything it, looks well, they, and they knew how to stay how to set the show for his like let's, well, let's also, get you into it like i'm a big like when i say film there i mean specifically film like not digital but film mm -hmm. like there's still there's no digital back then so they're shooting everything on film and everything holds up really well and looks really good even even like lower budget shit mm -hmm. still looks incredible because it was being shot on like 35 millimeter film and stuff and it just is preserved and, and looks good. Like everybody in this film is young and beautiful and they look good on film and good on camera and like seeing Kurt Russell and Kim Cattrall and they're both like super fucking hot. Like you're just like, like their love story is nonsensical, but I don't care. Cause I'm just like, yeah, kiss each other. You're both hot <laughs> and charismatic. Like <laughs> that's what there's, there's no, that's one thing it was like, they go from no, you're gross to randomly kissing in the sewer and it's like well we built this up nothing at all yeah it's it's real uh there's no real building it's just like i said it's just straight it's like a straight dive just... my go-to for for relationships like that is i always think of the movie speed have you ever seen speed yeah, with yeah uh at the end of the movie like keanu reeves and sandra bullock like start making out and sandra bullock has this line where she's just like you know they say most relationships based on trauma don't end well uh, and, and Keanu Reeves just goes, well, we'll just have to base it on sex then. It's the other way around because <laughs> earlier in the movie, Sandra Bullock like shuts him down saying that a uh, relationship built on trauma don't last. 
And then when they start making out, Keanu Reeves repeats it. Then Sandra Bullock says they'll have to base it on the sex. Right, right. Uh, and but for me, it's one of those things where I think I went really. This episode's never been released, but we went really deep on this idea in the first Terminator movie. You know how like have you seen the first Terminator? Uh, not the whole thing. No. Oh my god, such a good movie. Uh, but not a big Arnold fan. Just me. Not to spoil it, but Sarah Connor and Kyle Reese get together in the movie, and the movie doesn't like spend a ton of time building their relationship but for me it's like when they hook up finally i'm like you're both experiencing this really insane thing together and i feel like there's this understanding sometimes when you're watching a movie especially where if two characters are experiencing this really crazy thing and this heightened emotions you can kind of get away with like eh, they're just like gonna catch feelings for each other because uh, in this movie, it takes it to like the extreme to where mm-hmm. it doesn't make a lot of sense that they're hooking up or whatever. But again, you also get leeway just because they're both so attractive. <laughs> it's right. like, well, <laughs> it's like Kurt Russell looks like Kurt Russell. Uh, and even though he's a dumb dumb in this movie, I think the, uh, the ending one could have made better without the middle scene in the sewer. Cause like, I mean, they, it seemed like they tried to make the end all built up and it's like, this is the second time ever. Why did they try and make this such a big deal? <laughs> like you've already done this. Yeah, yeah, but they're both wet and hot, so. Yeah. <laughs> nah, that's going to be my excuse for everything. Notice. <laughs> they're both wet and hot. Because, <laughs> I mean, yeah, Wang and, and, and uh, Meow Yin's relationship is, like, at the end when they're making out, I'm just like, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, But I'm like, yeah, I know, like, they've probably been writing each other, but it doesn't delve into that at all, like, what their relationship really what? is. She spends the whole movie unconscious and kidnapped. <laughs> and Wang spends the entire movie acting his ass on. <laughs> Damn. Shots fired. Yeah, go fuck yourself, Dennis Dunn. <laughs> Poor guy. Uh, no, it's... He he hasn't... I, I was trying to look up his career, and he was, like, in a couple other John Carpenter movies and not really much else, so I don't know what his career was like. He he looks good, like, when he fights. Yeah, that's, like, that's, he, knows, he knows how to move, for sure. Uh, I read that Jackie Chan was apparently John Carpenter's first choice for this role, but there was concern with his grasp of English, and then he just turned down the role anyway. So. I still like they, they say that, but they have Wang saying being nothing or double. <laughs> really? we have that could just be the script, though. Yeah, no, but still, it's just like, this guy doesn't know English. <laughs> uh, like, I feel like, are we past that? Yeah. Oh, I mean, it's the mid eighties. Yeah. Again, like I don't want to make excuses for some of the stuff that doesn't quite hold up in this movie, but it's also like, I'm trying to imagine seeing this movie like pre rush hour, Yeah. you know, mm-hmm. like, I feel like this would feel weirdly progressive still, uh, especially for the eighties. And there's, I mean, there's nothing overly, and there's some stuff where it's like, ee, but there's nothing like that's not, you would have to, you, you would have to be dig pretty deep in this movie to be like pretty to be like truly offended by anything which that was a big shock watching this again because like like for me i'm not like like i'm in a place where i can watch something and be like oh that's just a relic of the times or whatever like i was just talking about how much i love overboard which like thematically doesn't really hold up like consent wise but i'm like this movie i feel like like you could maybe be like oh it's weird that kim cattrall is wearing all this get-ups or whatever but it's not like she chose to wear wearing those clothes in the movie so even in the context of the movie she's been forced into this outfit Mm -hmm. so for me it's like there's no one's getting called any like derogatory names in this movie kurt russell 
Like there's never a scene where Kurt Russell's just like, just speak English or, or, yeah. or like makes fun of them speaking Chinese or their mm -hmm. accents at all. Like him and Wang are like pals. They're just friends. Yeah. Like Kurt Russell clearly comes to Chinatown all the time to like do deliveries. And he just like hangs out with Chinese dudes, like just casually. He's like, uh, and like, he has a line early on. He's like, he's like, look, I know I'm white and you're Chinese, but maybe we could still get along here or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, I thought you guys were like pals. Like what's uh, that's, <laughs> the mo that's another thing when you have, I blame that on Wang. There's no, like, you don't get a friendship chemistry from the beginning cause they're playing and it's like, well, I don't trust you. I'm going to follow you. It's like, <laughs> are they friends? Yeah. I forgot. I thought they were like pals, I think but, but the beginning is very much like. They're more like acquaintances well, well, cause and then they kind of just end up like, well, cause another thing, I don't think chemistry exists in this universe. So. <laughs> it's tough. Uh, low pan, low pan in the storms have decent chemistry. Yeah, low, yeah. <laughs> Like the, that one guy seems really sad when he sees low pan die yeah. uh, so much. He explodes. The most death <laughs> ever. That guy like looks super familiar to me, yeah. but when I looked up his, resume i was like i don't recognize any of this it, stuff to me, to me he looked like a villain from scooby-doo <laughs> like, scooby-doo villains back <laughs> um but yeah so was there any more uh preconceived notions you wanted to talk about uh, before we like fully dive into the movie like i said just i knew it was kurt russell and i'm and for me i'm like something more of the 80s of the like okay it's gonna be cheesy action with kung fu and everything like that but then it's like i watched the trailer it was like sorcery okay this might be really weird and then I look up there at Rotten Tomatoes and it's 75%. It's like, I went to it with somewhat expectations, but it's more like a prove me wrong expectations and expectations. Like I said, don't probably wasn't the best idea to do it at nine 30 when I'm usually in bed by then. So it's like, <laughs> I will say I've been, I've been trying to be more mindful of my literal viewing experience. Mm -hmm. Like earlier this month, I did, a, I did an episode on the descent, which is actually out now. Mm -hmm. And talking to my guest i was like yeah i did kind of just watch this movie on my phone like in my lit room i'm like watching this claustrophobic cave movie but it's just on a tiny phone with like a earbud in it's probably not gonna engross me in the experience as much as i could and i've had times where i've watched movies at the wrong time of day and just not had the right experience where i'm grumpy or sleepy or in a bad mood and i'm like less favorable towards it well it's, it's your state of mind too like the best thing i can bring up is going into watching a where i was what it was going to watch batman versus superman loving the dark knight while going in that wanting to hate ben affleck as batman and mm -hmm. you know years ago i was last year i was one of the people clamoring for bring the Snyderverse mm -hmm. because it's not bad once you get once you get rid of your bias it, yeah it is fun too i've had some real some of the best experiences i've had have been going into something with pretty low expectations like jennifer's body has become one of my favorite movies of all time and i basically went to go see that movie as a joke and then was like this is kind of good maybe I, like i like this and then uh going into the rob zombie halloween movies i was like expecting absolute dog shit got like some dog shit so i was like this is pretty good uh, my, mine is as good mine uh, where i went with historical low expectations and end up liking the movie is a uh, the condemned with stone cold steve austin sure that movie's better than it, it, well, it seems well yeah well yeah well you go into the thing okay it's, it's like his first movie and the wwe movies are awful <laughs> yeah. and so you're going into that but it's another thing where they kept it simple and they kept his line simple where it's like you can do a one-liner every now and then yeah and yeah yeah fuck people up <laughs> it's also that pl the premise of that is really hard to fuck up to yeah. very classic 
most dangerous game type scenario mm-hmm. uh and like the plot gets a little goofy yeah and wwe movies are he's, there's a there's a weird stretch there and, wasn't and he's, there and he's fucking stone cold steve austin <laughs> yeah he's gonna pull anything off where he's a badass well he's a, he's at least got a little bit of charisma yeah. you know like i mean the the true wwe superstars like that tr- crossed over the, honestly the one that, that's always been really surprising to me lately is batista because mm-hmm. when he was a wrestler he wasn't like a mic guy. He wasn't like talking a lot. He just was big and he would power bomb you. And yet he, by all accounts, seems to be this really intelligent guy. And he loves working with like directors who do really good movies. And so he's been in like good shit. I mean, if people don't know, like he's in Blade Runner 2049. And he was, he was in one of the Bond movies, I remember too. Yeah. I mean, he's just like, he's good. Like he's actually a pretty decent actor. There's some, there's some <laughs> films he say he actually refuses to do because like, he doesn't want to be stereotypical. Like I remember he, uh, it was a big deal when he like really shrunk some of his like body mass. Cause he said, I don't want to be, it's hard to get roles we, when you're a six foot five, 330 pound giant. Yeah. It was funny. Cause, uh, on, um, this movie that I just did, we were working with this guy, Robert Mukes and he's six foot 10. Yeah. And if you look at his IMDB, it's like, he's been pretty typecast. Yeah, it's that's like, what... it's like you're gigantic. So you're going to be scary man in bone Tomahawk which, which or whatever. Yeah, I've listened listen to like uh, Kevin, <laughs> Kevin Nash has a podcast. Now he's talking about his film. Cause he's talking about how he thought after the longest yard, I'm going to turn rolls down, but he's like, <laughs> no, you don't get a lot. It's hard. It's hard when he's like, when he went to one film, he's like, they're like, you're too fucking tall. Yeah. Like, the guy's seven foot. The guy's seven feet tall. The call for yeah, but the actor's gonna be six foot one. <laughs> it's like there's seven feet tall and there's Hollywood seven feet tall. Well, yeah, it's like it's like a lot of a lot of stars are a lot shorter than people realize. Yeah. Like, I mean, Tom Cruise is the famous Tiny one. Tom Cruise, but like Sylvester Stallone's not very tall. Yeah, like, uh, there was, <laughs> I went through the list. Yeah, and there's well, it was even crazier. We uh last year, uh, me and uh Felicia went to a, it was a whack. Hollywood Wax Museum, Ooh. and that'll blow your mind when you actually stand next to, like, Ben Stiller, I was taller than him. I always knew he was pretty yeah. tiny, though. Well, let's still just stand next to people. It's like... It's just so... Because they're so larger than life mm-hmm. that you're like, no, you're like actually just like a five foot six guy. <laughs> like, you're just a guy. <laughs> but, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how big Kurt Russell is. He's, mm. he's pretty jacked in this movie, but uh, I think he looks a lot bigger than he should. It's funny, because, like, they they really sell low pan as being this really huge guy. Yeah, and James Hawk is so fucking short. Yeah. Like it's a pretty it's a pretty like, interesting it's like, choice. It's like Tom Cruise's Jack Reacher. It's like <laughs> Yeah. My dad loves the that new show though, where they, know, they finally got a really jack yeah. Jack Reacher. The, <laughs> but he's like really short too. No, he's like he's like six three, six four. But I mean like he's not like as big as people try well, to sell. I think in the even in the context of the show, he's supposed to be like six foot six or yeah, something like that jack reacher's like six foot five it's uh, what's funny is the, the do you know who the guy is they actually got for uh to be, be reacher in the new shows i'm aware of it's, him I just it's, the, yeah, it's, the, it's the dude from uh blue mountain state the fat guy <laughs> oh, really? yeah it's so weird seeing him be like super serious and like he's really good in it like people love that show yeah like, oh, I'm, it's apparently a great dad show uh, <laughs> I, i'm been looking at when season two is coming out already well it's just so hard to find a show you to like nowadays so when new one comes out it's like when's it coming back, is it coming back? <laughs> yeah uh yeah but yeah so let's get back. um so yeah you know we get uh he's driving his he's driving his truck the name i've already forgotten it's like the uh, it's like the chicken express oh, the, it's or the, the pork chop express the pork chop express which is just fun a fun <laughs> name and he's on the cb radio another thing that's interesting about this movie that kind of bucks the tradition of normal film is 
There's no character arcs in this movie. No one's got lessons to learn. He ends this movie doing the exact same shit he opens this movie with, <laughs> saying the exact same shit, where he's just like, listen, all you folks out there, Jack Burton's going to learn you, and we just get him like chomping on a sandwich, talking on CB radio. Doing his own personal podcast. Basically. <laughs> like, he never gets a response. He's just talking to nobody, anybody that maybe is listening on the CB, but he's driving into San Francisco where the movie takes place. We get some get some old Jack Burton. Uh, <laughs> so it he shows up in Chinatown. It kind of just smash cuts to him doing like these games. Yeah, well, oh, I, sure. Also, one of my earlier notes when they're showing the city of San Francisco is shit. This is old. <laughs> <laughs> you see them eighty films is like wow. I should, yeah, it's so funny because like I don't know if you're like me where when you're not thinking too hard about it and you do like the quick math, you're like the eighties, that was like 20 years ago. And then now it's like, actually the eighties was 40 yeah. years ago. Yeah. <laughs> it's always 30, in my, it's 20 in my mind. Okay. That's, not, <laughs> that's when you realize about the 80s. 86. That was 14 years ago, right? Yes. yes. <laughs> I always do math from 2000, even though it's 2022 right now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, so he yeah it does it but it looks it looks cool like uh i haven't been to san francisco i've heard a lot of mixed things about it currently in the terms of just like it's a very expensive place to live now and it's it's like got a very big like wealth divide where there's parts of town that are so obscenely rich but then there's parts of town that are just like awful and like like just just bad like yeah. so i don't know this is like a more charming but you go from San Francisco to Oakland, I imagine it changes pretty quick. <laughs> Probably. I think Dave Chappelle had a joke about that. Um, but yeah, I, I love just seeing city shots of like cities in the 80s and 90s. Like one of my favorite like subgenres is just movies set in New York in like the 70s and 80s because everything just looks so seedy and wet and, and interesting. Uh, maybe not a place I'd want to live at the time, but like it's fun to look well, at. thing was like you. <laughs> In a way, you wish you were you want the you want the good experience of it. You don't want the bad. Yeah, it's like New York is was especially just such an interesting looking place, and and like the like in this movie, it's like we don't spend a lot of time in like a lot of San Francisco, and a lot of this shit is just sets that they mm -hmm. built or whatever. But like it's fun, like like a lot of major metropolitan cities, they have a Chinatown in almost every major mm -hmm. city, and so it's a weirdly relatable aspect of like city life just, just that there's going to be a section of a city that's just like a lot of like chinese shops and culture and cool shit and so it's kind of it's kind of fun how that's just a ubiquitous thing weirdly uh like this could have been set in new york or chicago or whatever it happens to be san francisco obviously california was a lot more populated by chinese people because they like came directly from china to california and you hear egg shen say it like in the in the movie where he's like the gold rush and they came over and mm. built the railroads and all that stuff so there's like a history behind it too funnily enough uh if people don't know this is like kind of a fun fact about the film the original script for this movie was set in like 1890 and it was like a western and it was about like a gunslinger who gets his horse stolen and helps a guy get his fiance back and then uh, another guy took over and did like a major rewrite and basically turned it into what we hmm. see today, this modern day take on it where he gets his truck stolen. Yeah, the horse got replaced by a big rig. <laughs> yeah. It's a big rig now. And he mostly has a knife. 
Uh, <laughs> he's not like a gunslinger. There's like a whole element to the guy who was like a cowboy who was part of a gunslinger show oh, and boy. stuff. <laughs> not Kid Rock. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so we meet Wang. Um, they're playing like cards or something. I don't even know. No one knows. Look at those old ass dollar bills. <laughs> yeah. Like the when the 20 was tiny. <laughs> when any of that was tiny <laughs> it was funny because like my my memory of this film is like kurt russell taking l after l and so i was a little surprised when this movie opens with him like winning against wang he's like all right i won or whatever and then like wang pulls a knife out and this is where I, again where i was like oh i thought they were pals but wang like pulls a knife yeah. and kurt russell's like look i know we don't really get along but yeah. you don't have to like i was like wait what <laughs> it's very confu- like I said, it's very confusing there's little you know chemistry like friendship chemistry like the banter isn't the greatest yeah they're pulling knives but then it's like let's hop in my truck and go pick up your woman and yeah it's like this movie just has it's just a little too stuffed to the gills to the point where it, there's no time to let anything breathe and what maybe for some people that's kind of the charm of the movie is that it just does not Which, stop well, it's balls to the wall and it's nice because it's, it's like a 99 minute movie mm-hmm. which is cool but well, there's enough material in this film that i'm like it could have either been a longer film or i wouldn't be surprised if someday this gets turned into like a tv series or something mm-hmm. where I mean, you could have the whole first episode you could probably go like one or two episodes deep before you even see a hint of magic in this mm-hmm. world like just develop wang like even if they're not good pals I'd like to know more about their relationship before they just go fucking head first into well, we this. We don't, you don't get really any backstory about anything other than a low pang. So it's yeah, like, these people are here, they're doing this and we're off, which that's one of my biggest, one of the priorities I'm also down with. One of my biggest criticism now of movies is there's no time to let breathe. It's always like straight into stuff. Where, yeah. It's and people like, well, one thing that's annoying that I listen to the film podcast, they always complain about this movie was way too long. And it's like, that's not a bad thing. It's like, I could watch, four hours of justice league or snyder cut and it does not feel like four hours i guess you just gotta be into it. i guess if you're not into it then it's really the thing is 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 it actually what a lot of people don't realize is it really just comes down to pace mm-hmm. it's not so much the length like yeah when you're looking at the runtime before you start the movie it can be intimidating oh shit this is three hours long mm-hmm. what the fuck but it's really just pacing like for a great example that you bring up Zack snyder i will heavily contend that the Snyder cut of Batman versus Superman feels faster than the original theatrical cut of that movie. And it is like 45 minutes longer and yet it flies by. Mm -hmm. It's because it's paced better and it's, it looks better because it's his vision. There's like, there's also more building to certain things where you're waiting for something to happen. And then when it's not happens, like, well, I got time left. This guy happened. Yeah. There's like the same way with, like, and we've had friends, I remember, because we saw The Dark Knight when it first came out. Mm-hmm. Some of our friends were like, that was way too long. It's like, yeah, but you're, you want to see more, when characters are great as well, like, you want to see more of the Joker. So you don't care how much time it's like, that means we're going to get more Joker. We're gonna yeah, and this. as far as the content of this film, like, there's not a lot of, like, there's not a lot of time where they're not, not doing stuff. But, like, there was a moment where I paused it because I had to, like, take a phone call. Mm-hmm. And I was like holy shit, there's like 45 minutes left of this movie. And I was like, I feel like they've already infiltrated his compound like twice now. Yeah, there was like, like it's there, like, was a lot, there was a lot of stops and starts and it's like, this stop is not necessary where it, you can't, it's hard to go balls to the wall so quick. And then it's like, we're just going to stop and we're going to have conversation here. 
or where like we'll get to it when like Kim Cattrall gets kidnapped and it's like they don't turn around. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, never. It, it's like uh, it, it it does feel like they hit the same beat multiple times to the point where I'm like, you could have front loaded this with just a smidge more character stuff. But the other problem is like, as far as John Carpenter stuff goes, that's not really something he's terribly interested in as a filmmaker. The, the thing is really great because the characters are all really interesting, but you're not getting backstory on them they just kind of exist and you know they're scientists in antarctica and then it just goes go and then the movie just goes so it's kind of a john carpenter thing it's funny that i like this movie as as much as i do because i'm such a character guy i guess it really comes down to like just everyone's just charming enough that i'm just like all right i'm on a fun ride whatever and not everything has to be a deep character study but right off the bat we're hitting on probably one of the weaker points of the movie in the in that we don't really understand their relationship and the movie would feel better if at the end of the movie when it's ending on like no horse shit jack and it's like no horse shit that would hit a lot harder if i had felt like their relationship had been developed but it really doesn't like because it didn't start from anywhere and it didn't build throughout the movie really they, they had just were on an adventure together kind of by happenstance so it's not the character stuff's definitely not the strongest aspect yeah, of this well, film. <laughs> I don't understand how does it go from like if they if they're not close friends, but they're not showing. They went like goes. Oh, your girlfriend got kidnapped. I'm gonna help you get her back. Yeah, it's more like it, it reads less like he's Wang's pal and more like he's just such a blowhard wannabe tough guy that he's like, oh, someone got kidnapped. Fuck that. I'm just gonna go insert myself because he spends the entire movie just inserting himself in situations that he probably shouldn't uh and that's just kind of his main character trait <laughs> i can see that as well he's kind of the he kind of he's kind of the clumsy goof of a hero yeah so the whole the whole the whole thing here is that wang bets him money that he can cut this bottle in half and fails and so he owes kurt russell a shitload of money and the entire reason they're together is because kurt russell's like you owe me money and he's like well i need to go pick up someone from the airport so i'll get you your money later and he's like bullshit get in my car i'll take you to the airport and so the entire reason they go together is just because he owes him money well, yeah, yeah, <laughs> they owe him money then they drive and that's when it's like we're buddies now we're gonna talk about yeah they're like they're and, like shooting the shit and you, you get a more like friendly and, vibe and you get wang's ass off like it's like ass on like <laughs> like yes we're going to get married <laughs> and it's like is it it's not a thing where it's like are they getting married for real or is he like i'm going to marry her like the way he says it, it does, and Jack's so skeptical that it does feel a little bit like, is Wang projecting a little? Like, are they really getting married? Or is, is she just coming to America and he's just saying that he wants to get married to her? It's kind of hard to tell. Uh, and he's all, he's trying to play coy with Jack and like, they're, they're friendly. And like, I never got like true malice towards each other. And when they're in the cab, like Kurt Russell's being light enough with him that you're like okay there's like something well, here i would have preferred malice over, i don't get that like malice over what's going on here <laughs> would have been nice you know it's just like it's almost like they weren't I, sure how serious they wanted to make we don't want to make this too serious of a friendship but it's just like yeah it's just kind of like a because it should feel like a buddy comedy mm -hmm. and it doesn't quite stand up to the good buddy comedies where we really know the characters dynamic with each other like rush hour is one of my big go-to's like that movie hinges on the chemistry between tucker and chan and like their relationship with each other and you know 
what each of their deals are and why they clash and bounce off each other, right. but also why they're friends. Yeah, my, yeah, my, my buddy cop we go to would be bad boys as well. Just, sure, that's yeah. perfect as well. That's perfect chemistry. They're very defined characters, mm-hmm. like, and you just understand what their deal is. Whereas in this movie, it's like, well, what is their deals? Like, you get a lot more Jack Burton uh, personality stuff than you do Wang, uh, which is another reason why when people go, Wang's the real protagonist of this film, I'm like, He's he's the protagonist of this film in the sense, well, but the film is still from Kurt Russell's POV. Well, I hate, hate to be a dead horse, but you got Kurt Russell who's just oozing obviously charisma, good lookingness, and then you got <laughs> Wang who is <laughs> what you think a Wang would look like. <laughs> oh, jeez, that, that's just, I'm just saying. Like <laughs> I, I get I get what you're saying though. I, I wasn't as hard on on him this like go around. I thought he was fine. Like he's he's serviceable enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, like I said, he looks good. Like when he gets to finally kick ass and, and do some of the action scenes, he looks good doing it. Although it definitely was like watching this movie, having watched like everything everywhere all at once recently, this movie definitely lacked like a Kihei Kwan, uh, who's like the male lead of that movie. He's so good and charming and he can fucking fight. Whereas like, like I think he was really young, like when they made this movie, so I'm not saying him specifically, but it's like a Testament to like, there probably were actors that maybe could have like been a little more iconic in the role that were around, but because they were just like, yeah, this is the guy. Uh, <laughs> I think he's okay. Uh, like, but I, I agree that he's not like, like blowing, blowing it out of the water for sure. <laughs> he's, he's, he's well, just fine. It, it probably doesn't help you. Like I say, he's got Kurt Russell next to him. Who's just, you know, is made, who is made for Hollywood in every way with, the, yeah. especially in the eighties with his look, he's got, and he's, like I said, the first ten minutes, I could li- you could listen to the rant he's doing on the CB radio over and over again because he just has that voice and that right, yeah. And you got, I'm going to marry her. <laughs> yeah, that was another symptom of like the uh, '80s and '90s, though, was the people that could like actually do the kicks and fun stuff. Maybe weren't the greatest actors ever, and so it was a lot of times this big trade off where it's like, well. We have a guy that can like wield a sword, but he's not going to give us the emotional depth, <laughs> but that's okay. That's part of what's funny about Kurt Russell in this movie is like, he's in a, what's ostensibly uh, uh, like an action movie, uh, but he doesn't really do a lot of action because like he's either getting knocked out or like pushed out of the fight before it happens. And so it's kind of funny thinking like he got jacked for this movie, but then he doesn't even really fight anybody. <laughs> he just shoots some guys. I, guess, I can see too where it's like, kind of like they're doing the trope on, you know, white, you know, foreign white guy comes in and saves the day because mm-hmm. he doesn't really do a whole lot. Like obviously he saves Ken Cottrell and does he throw the knife at the end? I don't he does know. get like, that's one of the things that people point out though. It's like his big win is he get, he kills Lopan at the end. But he does it while he's covered in lipstick. It's like everything he does is like undercut somehow. Like it's like, oh, I just killed this guy, but also my lips are just bright red because I was just making out with Kim Cattrall like a scenic. Uh, so like it's it, it, there is some goofiness for sure, um, but it just feels like I don't know. Like I'm someone who enjoys things being subtle, so I hate to like rag on it for not being more obvious. I guess, but I just I think it try it. It's definitely going for some more subversive ideas, and like I said, I think it holds up better than it has any right to, probably. But it's not quite all the way there. But it's fun. I think maybe hearing you point out that you weren't terribly impressed with Dennis Dunn, uh, like the guy playing Wang, 
like maybe that's part of what's not quite clicking in the movie is like him and then they don't give they don't give Miao Yin like anything to do so it's like the characters who are supposed to be our subversive oh they're the real heroes of the movie aren't like giving us enough to like be able to make that argument have as has more weight than it should you know what i mean it's an interesting thought like i'm, I'm glad that you have that perspective because it's not something i would have necessarily thought of myself you know because i was just kind of letting the movie take me for a ride i wasn't like uh I was well, just... in when you're into a movie as well you can overlook that kind of stuff when you yeah like, when you come into it with skepticism and it's like you're looking to be wowed you notice stuff like that and yeah it's a state of, a state of mind more than anything no but you're not wrong i mean he's not like there's a reason he's not in like 500 movies <laughs> he's in four <laughs> <laughs> yeah so it's like it's probably because he was just an okay actor like he was like relatively decent looking and, and could fight a little bit like <laughs> but there's a reason why kurt russell's in like 100 movies yeah <laughs> uh but there's a reason why james hong is in 200 movies because <laughs> that motherfucker works mm. uh, weirdly one of the movies i think of james hong the most is he's in that terrible jeff bridges ryan reynolds r.i.p.d movie i've not seen that movie <laughs> i won't watch it though just well like i said i started wa- listening to this podcast where pretty much they break down uh it's just these three guys these three random guys and they break down uh poorly uh rot- rotten tomato reviewed uh movies whether it's critics or audience and they just and they just decide whether it's been uh they just, they pretty much at the end they say they file it or phobe it which sent file or sent sure and that's one of the RAPD is one which i cannot watch like even with your podcast i can't like listen to a podcast if i haven't seen the movie because mm. i just feel lost the entire time where it's like i just but so and they do are and one guy on there says i just go they were talking about right one's like i fucking hate that movie like just listen to a random i was like oh i want to listen to that. so i gotta listen to that episode see how because they r.i.p.d yeah yeah it's like i don't remember why it was so bad because i was excited for it and then i like that was one of like my early there was this period in my life where i would go to movies and i'd walk out like because it used to be i would go you know when you're young any movie is like fun mm-hmm. that was a movie oh my god that was fun i watched a movie and then i remember i always have a very vivid memory of going to see iron man 2 uh in theaters and i was leaving and i was like why don't i feel good what, what is this feeling like why do i feel weird like i'm not very happy that i just watched a movie and then like it wasn't until later that i was like oh it's because the movie sucked. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, I always had I had blinders on Iron Man too for the longest time. I just think because I liked uh, Mickey Rourke. Yeah, Mickey he's Rourke, fun. He's yeah. fun in the movie. Yeah, and, and it's it's, like, it's not like a god, uh, god awful jo- movie. I like Scarlett Johansson as well, but looking back and replaying, I'm like that's not good. It's just a very that that one's very vivid for me and because they, it's one of my first times going to theater and leaving and just being like, I feel weird. What is this feeling? It's because I wasn't used <laughs> to going and seeing movies and not. <laughs> just being like oh i watched a movie that was fun the only the only really bad the only movie i remember watching in theaters and walked out where it's just like well that was a waste of time was it was with uh you and went and saw that uh johnny depp movie that uh john dillinger movie yeah that movie sucks i just remember all like it was like it was like you me and glenn i think we're just walking out and we're just like who wants to start tearing apart first? Yeah, that was a weird experience too, because that was like for my birthday. Yeah, well, that's another like, thing. That was I was like, like, that was bad. That was like a two-hour movie too, where it's just like, okay, went because it's just like so long, and there's nothing happening, and there's random people with machine guns. It's like that was so and so. It's like we don't see him again. Yeah, it's a Michael Mann movie too. I don't yeah. know why it's so awful. 
I, I I'm, I've always almost wanted to watch it again because I'm like, but then anytime I bring, I bring that movie up with anybody that's seen it, they go, oh yeah, that movie really sucks. And I'm like, well, I wonder why it sucks so bad. I've never had like the worst <laughs> ending too, where it's just like a slow motion walk and I just remember walking that movie where it's like, do we feel like, sort of thing was like, do we feel good about this movie? And then it's like, I think of course, Glenn's the, or friend Glenn's first one to say something shitty about it. And it's like, okay, I can jump it on this. Yeah, now. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I've had a handful. I mean, and RIPD was one. I think I went and saw with Jarek, mm-hmm. my cousin, and we were walking out. And I was like, hmm, I don't feel very good about what, what we just experienced there, which is like, I've kind of like, I've kind of turned a little bit on Ryan Reynolds. I'm not very charmed by him anymore. I, I know people fucking love him. And that's, I, I'm never going to yuck anyone's yum or rain on anyone's parade or whatever. If you love Ryan Reynolds and you think he's the funniest dude ever, then great like it's a much better way to experience life to just enjoy things unironically than to just like it's fun to kind of trash on stuff every once in a while with your friends and watch something kind of bad and goof on it a little bit but like i feel like we've entered this period of society especially in like social media where it's like uncool to just like like stuff and i'm like it's okay to just like stuff like i was i texted my friends because the new trailer for the new mario movie just dropped yesterday Mm -hmm. i was like kind of weirdly excited about the new mario movie question mark i I texted and just one of my friends was just like oh no kind of looks like shit and blah blah blah, and the voices aren't really uh, this isn't working for me and i was just like <sighs> i just wanted to be like oh that was kind of cool like and jack black's bowser was kind of fun and the animation's a lot better than i would have expected weirdly optimistic about this but if no it's just a just an avalanche of people wanting to be mad and shit on it it's not like anything where it's like even like really bad stuff does come out it's like when i was getting back into movies it's like like i remember the last one was like should i like this that can be good it was like the i heard it was off of like the robin hood with taron edgerton and it's like, oh sure sure is it, is it wrong that i kind of <laughs> like this because it's just like every you're expecting everything to be shit nowadays yeah especially when, which you know, nine times out of ten it probably is but. yeah it just depends on for me it just comes down to that's why i'm so director focused these days because it, it almost always just comes down to who's making it. Okay, well then that's going to factor pretty heavily because is this just a cash grab by some people who want to make a movie to make some money? It's like Robin Hood's a name we recognize. Like the problem is like it's hard not to go into that movie being a little cynical, mm-hmm. but it's like Taron Edgerton and Jamie Foxx are extremely charismatic. That movie's probably pretty watchable. I, I never saw it, yeah. but I'm it's sure. On my, it's on my list. Well, one of the ones I was skeptical about was uh, even the trailer was cool. Was like the new Predator one because I saw Prey. Yeah. No, 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 the one before that, the one with like uh, oh, the new Shane Black. Yeah, the Shane one. Black. Yeah, because I, 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 I kind of soured on him after he overthought Iron Man three. Where <laughs> I, I have a, I'm a weird. I, I'm kind of an Iron Man three defender. Uh, I could, it was not a bad movie, but it's like it's. I compare it to pro wrestling where it's like, we wanted, you had one job. It's like, we're going to swerve them. You're never going to see it coming. And it's like, because we didn't want it to come. You'll never see me coming. (laughs) And then, well, I think it's bad when the Marvel universe has to rewrite the character. Yeah. Well, they, that guy, I was, I don't watch any Marvel movies anymore, but, uh, back in March, I woke up and someone was watching Shang-Chi uh I still gotta catch that. and fucking the ben kingsley's in that movie as that character yeah, yeah. i was sure, like what sure, sure. it's like they yeah. brought this fucking well, they guy made, back. they made like a whole short it's like a 30 30 minute film or something about like where like they visit somebody visited him in prison like we know 
like the Mandra is not very happy. You were impersonating him, because Shane Black actually commented on that. Like, uh, I don't regret that. We they didn't see. He's I don't know. Just try to defend us. Like you just you overthought it. You thought you were gonna be like this big freaking like. Oh, I'm gonna be, and then people hate it, and it's like, <laughs> but they didn't see it coming. So. Which I agree is kind of cookie cutter because I mean, as a person who I said I don't read comics, but I'm familiar with them. When you're it's a fickle bunch. They want one thing, so when you try to do something, they get pissed off. Oh, like the Dark Knight is nothing about Batman. It doesn't have any of the eeriness of Gotham. Yeah, I just uh, I'm such a especially with comic books because even comic books, there's so many different versions of the characters. I'm such a big believer in just. It's why I was doing a little bit when you mentioned Jared Leto Joker, like I was doing some of his lines. It's because I'm like I don't give a shit. Like it's for me, it's like nothing nothing taints the other stuff it's like if you love jack nicholson just because heath ledger had a different version of the joker doesn't mean you can't still enjoy jack nicholson's joker doesn't mean you can't still enjoy uh mark hamill's yes batman like 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 that's fun like and it doesn't not exist anymore and so for me i'm like i'm way past like it's it's with the mario thing that just dropped like like I don't really like Chris Pratt very much anymore, and I'm not loving what he's doing with Mario. But I'm not like, oh, if he doesn't talk, like it's a me, Mario. Yeah. Like I'm not gonna lose my fucking shit. I'm like, who gives? Oh well, yeah, the like I said <laughs> the the bat fleck I was talking made me really change my stance because like I said I went into Batman vs Superman wanting him wanting it to fail. My <laughs> Cleveland family like you're my friend now, but I wanted you to fail. <laughs> yeah, where he's going? I just saw that clip like literally two days. But yeah, ago. I wanted to fail. Then it's like I watched like the just the Snyder's Justice League clip. And it's like I want more of Ben Affleck as because me almost with the Batman is why I was i made i didn't watch the full newest batman and i wasn't i don't think i'll be finishing it but oh the robert yeah. pattinson yeah. one for me just the bruce wayne part of the character almost builds like the batman character i feel like anybody can just put the mask on and yeah and i wasn't a fan of emo bruce wayne or vampire i like i like the new batman i actually was i only saw it on a whim and i was like hmm, i enjoyed it like i i have to finish it which i canceled hbo max so i got that's the, that's the kind of movie where people say they don't like it i just go yeah i get it like I'm not, that, that's, a, that's a movie I don't feel compelled I, to defend. I can't, I can't shit on it, but I just, when I don't, when I watch half of it and I don't feel any desire to go back to it, I'm like, I mean, I've had that experience plenty of times and I think that says everything you need to know. Yeah. Like if you watch part of something and then just never feel compelled to go back, I'm like, oh, yeah. well, there's your review. Yeah. Like, <laughs> but I, I thought, uh, I'm blanking on her name, but the gal that played Selena Kyle in the movie, like, I was just like, she's amazing yeah she was a bright spy we'll say yeah i like like that i just rob i couldn't when robert robin pattinson you know his batman was really good but it's just like he takes it off he's got the eye black on and it's just he's brooding it's so good because it's like batman wears eye black he's a 170 pound guy brooding like like, there's a uh there's a fun um like did your parents die really is that why you're so angry at the world (laughs) there's a nothing something's in the way Ooh, um but uh there's an alternate dc universe where it's like a much darker uh every, everything's just darker uh all the origin stories are are way more twisted and in that version it's the 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 animated movie they made michael c hall voices batman and he is a vampire in that universe. He literally is a Batman who drinks blood. Uh, mm. 
Superman in that world. Uh, you find out his origin story is it's it's kind of fucked up actually. The way they like make children in in on uh, Krypton in that universe is like they're in like a tube and you like inject your DNA mm-hmm. into the tube to like do this fusion thing. And fucking uh, Zod shows up and injects his DNA into Superman before before his dad can the original dad Cal or not Cal or Jor El or whatever. So in this universe. Superman is Zod's kid, and so he's got anger issues, and he's all fucked up. And like Wonder Woman is like, kind of like the bright burn version. Yeah, yeah. And, and and Wonder Woman's just super angry and murders people all the time. Like I was like, this is kind of fun though. This is so this is so over the top and aggressive. Like, uh, but yeah. Anyway, yeah, we, uh, we veered off. It's, it's stay with us, people. We'll get back on track. Yeah, where's the uh, where's your serious discussion of big trouble in little China? Uh, I think we left off. They were on their way to the airport. Yeah, they're going to the airport. This is a very chaotic scene because we're waiting. We're waiting for uh, Meow Yin to show up. Uh, We see Kim Cattrall. Kurt Russell notices her and he just kind of tries to go Mac on her. And she's like, absolutely the fuck not. Uh, (laughs) Also, the random line too by Wang where he points her out and he goes, she's a lawyer. Yeah, it's like it's established that he knows who she is. And so, like, later when she busts into his house, I guess it's like, well, I guess they know each other, but it's very bizarre. Uh, he's like, he's like, don't mess with her. She's the lawyer. And he's just like, I think I'm going to mess with her. She has a funny line where she's like, well, from where I'm standing, it's apparently Miller time. And <laughs> he's like, Uh-oh. he's like, you got a problem with that? Uh, but then they see this, these gang members yes, who, the gang. I, I can't remember what they're called. It's the, like the, the Lord, death, some the lords. lords of death, I believe. And- yeah what one of my notes is what the fuck is the guy wearing over his eyes just like some sunglasses it's, right but it's, it's no it's like a glasses with like they're white and there's a black like black line i'm trying to see if i can bring it up for you, but i could not take my eyes off I was like what the fuck is that like, yeah, i couldn't i couldn't take it serious which i don't think you're supposed to <laughs> no nah, it's the, like what the fuck is this guy wearing i don't know oh. if we're supposed to take the lords of death seriously but yeah. Uh, they're, they're clearly looking to do some shenanigans and unfortunately for Wang, uh, they grab Miao Yin and take off with her. There's this, there's this other girl that Gracie Law was waiting on who you think is maybe going to factor into the plot, but she really doesn't at all. Just happens to be why she's there. <laughs> okay. I see what you're saying now. <laughs> what? Like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> I wasn't paying that close attention to that, but now that you mentioned it, that's a, a but it's like to me, it's no different than those weird glasses people mm-hmm. wear that have like the plastic lines across them. Because I'm like, you can't see out of those. Like I don't. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so they they make off with 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 Meow Yin and they try to uh, Kurt Russell and, and Wang tr- Jack and Wang try to chase after him unsuccessfully. Kind of like we get a goes on for a while where we, yes. we kind of cut to egg shen's tour bus and kind of get a little Sh- introduction to him show you so where i'm at this point my note is it's 10 p.m there's an hour 15 minutes left <laughs> uh they go into an alley and they just kind of stumble across the gang war uh and jack's like what what the hell is this and he's like those are the these guys and he's like well do they have any enemies and he's like yeah these guys he's like do they wear red turbans he's like yeah oh shit which, which my <laughs> note at this point is turban turbans ninjas and six shooters what the fuck is going on it's awesome it's what's going it's on it's just like a jam <laughs> of like machine guns all this stuff and 
And then, like I said, this is where we hear the gun noise. We're like, it's the fakest gun noise ever. And it's just like, Ugh. and then I, I have apparently we're doing deaths without blood in this movie as well because guys are just getting lit up. And it's just, Ugh. yeah, not a very bloody movie. No. Uh, it, it is rated PG 13, I believe, uh, which is like, I always, I, I, I think I saw that at the beginning and was like, oh, really? Mm-hmm. But I'm like, there's not a lot of swearing in this movie. I think there's I barely think, any blood other I than think, when he like, is getting the blood from the girls at the very I think, end. I think Russell says fuck maybe once, I think. Does he? I don't know if he ever says fuck. Uh, but even in PG-13 movies, you're yeah, usually allowed one. Yes, one. Um, I should know when the rain curve went, like, changed, because I'm the craziest movie I remember about this is, like, Airplane from, like, is that, like, the 70s was ra- is PG and there's boobs in it. Right, yeah. I think Airplane's an 80s movie, but I don't know for sure. I'm not sure when they curved the scales well there used to not be a pg-13 gotcha. uh and then it was just either pg or r and you had to be pretty intense to get an r rating back in the day uh but yeah i think we should lighten it back up P- pg-13 yeah. movies should be able to just have boobs in them just, <laughs> it's really like blood's not is really blood that big a deal anymore like i don't know it's lore. i've always i've always argued the opposite to where i always find that american film is way easier on violence than it is on sexuality or if there's like a boob or a sex scene in a movie it's like holy shit this is like nc-17 it's like oh someone's being stabbed brutally like eh pg-13 whatever uh but always with blood one of the biggest ones i remember i'll keep this short was uh jason statham bitch he was in that shark movie the michael down movie he's like <laughs> how the f-? he's like how the fuck we do a shark movie where there's no blood <laughs> it's like it's I got a point. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine Jaws without blood? I feel like that's the, that's the part where you see the blood in the water. It's like, yeah. Then uh, deep blue sea. Yeah. Deep blue sea. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so they get, they get caught in the middle of a gang fight. Uh, even though there's all these bullets flying around, thankfully they're just fine, I guess. Nope, and nobody's going after the people in the giant rig. Yeah. <laughs> yeah they're just sitting my next, there. <laughs> my next it was, everybody was Kung Fu fighting. <laughs> that's fair. This movie's cheesy enough that it's almost surprising that that song doesn't play uh we get to the point where they've exhausted the bullets seemingly so they start like fighting with sticks and stuff which is fun we get some like good kung fu like we see al leong just beat the shit out of a couple people there's a really good moment where someone like puts a board behind another guy's head and like knees his face through it i was like that was pretty cool people are getting thrown through windows and shit people are getting getting stabbed it is pretty funny because kurt russell is jack burton and wang are in the cab Mm-hmm. This entire time, yes. they never get out. They never try to drive away. They never intervene. Don't they catch, don't catch a stray. No bullet comes close <laughs> to them. These people are just really great shots. Yeah, they just sit there. But then things get really crazy. This is where we should have been introduced to magic for the first time, uh, where the three storms show up. Uh, if you, they don't really get called out in the movie, but they're they're called rain, lightning, and thunder. Um, and you can kind of tell who's who based on their powers. Yes. Lightning is the riding Which, guy, obviously. I have another <laughs> crazy note. I think I originally wrote like, uh, lightning is, uh, looks like a ripoff from Lord raid from mortal Kombat. Yeah. But then I looked into it. It's actually reversed. They supposedly, they believe, uh, moral Kombat drew inspiration, drew inspiration for Raid oh, yeah. from this movie. Big time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, oh yeah. So, I mean, cre- credit to them. Like, I, I don't think like people with lightning powers was a unique thing, but, Raiden did come after well, this, the, but he's basically got the same hat. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, they weren't, they weren't too subtle, but hat. that's another thing about this movie is I do think it's the kind of movie that certain groups of people were very influenced yeah. by. I think that's the reason why it's so big. Cause I think like Shane's song, also Mortal Kombat was 
I think this says influence from a uh, Lopang. Oh yeah, big time. Just, uh, the definitely major Lopang vibes yeah. with Shang Sun. Yes. But then Shang Sun has like since become the template for so many villains. Mm-hmm. Where it's just like that's a very Shang Sun as villain <laughs> uh, <laughs> to the point where the same guy <laughs> will show up in other movies. He'll just be like, "Is that Shang Sun?" <laughs> like, <laughs> it's weird how shitty that movie is, and yet there's Shang Chong. <laughs> there's like so many people from that movie who you're like. Is that the guy from Mortal Kombat? <laughs> like, it's well, the like first all one, you recognize them from. The first from. one wasn't terrible. They kept it simple. That second one was an abomination. <laughs> yeah. Annihilation. Uh, yeah, that's, the... that's they they did that. They they reviewed that on my that podcast with you. That movie's like cl- it's one it's one of the most hilarious episodes I've listened it's, to. Them. It's a pretty classic. Like, it's if you go through my letterboxed, it's one of the only films I've ever given half a star because uh, it's like truly abysmal. Like, it's and but although it does have the classic, too bad you will die <laughs> like that's that's a classic <laughs> but yeah that movie's so I just, shit i just remember on that one on that podcast list here they brought in like a guest which is someone from another podcast they know and he's like i thought this was gonna be fun you know a couple guys talking about movies he's like then i had to watch that movie and you have to watch it it's like uh and basically so, the storms come down though yes uh and no. at some point kurt russell's like wang's finally just like let's just go low pan shows up Kurt Russell kind of drives through him. He's freaked out by to the point where he, instead of just driving away, he gets out of the truck, which doesn't, he's spent his entire time not getting out of the truck, but now he's got to make sure he didn't run this old man over. And uh, the old man is, can go through trucks. Yeah. he's like, he, well, I mean, it's uh, later in the movie. They're basically like, he is not flesh. Yeah. He is a ghost. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they end up bailing on the truck and they just run away. They get chased around a little bit. A lot of random shit happens, but it's mostly just, they get chased off. Uh, they end up back at like I don't know who's. I think it's the restaurant that, yeah, that Wang's family owns. I, I will warn you, I may have nodded off at this point. <laughs> at one point, I had to rewind so that might happen. So <laughs> yeah, so and this is where we just get a lot of exposition yes, dump because exposition. like yeah, like Eddie shows up and we don't we've not met Eddie. I don't think, uh, and he just is he walks in and goes, and also the entire time, like literally, my note says chaos. Because like, because Kurt Russell's on the phone. He's like, "Look, you're not gonna file it under an act of God." Like, I don't know. It was in the thing. It got stolen. Because he's trying to like get insurance on his truck. They're having a full on conversation. Eddie shows up and starts exposition dumping, and Kurt Russell's like talking to him and talking on the phone. Did the reporter come in at this point? Oh <laughs> um, well, no, not yet. Okay. Uh, but this is where Gracie enters. Like a hooded figure comes in, and she throws her cloak off, and she's like. Don't worry, it's just me, Gracie Law. Uh, and you're just like, what the fuck is happening in this scene? And then basically the big exposition dump winds up being, they sold, uh, and also like another test, another notch in your argument that uh, Wang isn't giving us the greatest performance of all time, but it's also testament to how chaotic this scene is. Like the entire reason they were in that alley was they were trying to find uh, Miao Yin and they were unsuccessful and now they're back at this restaurant, and Wang's just kind of like, man, that was pretty crazy. And it's like, your fiance is yes. kidnapped. What are you doing right now? Like, And he is not giving just much. Ass, <laughs> ass fully on. It's almost like someone has, like, I think in this scene, someone like kind of reminds him that his fiance has been yes. kidnapped. I was like, what the fuck is happening right like, now? I thought we're going to need some emotion out of you, man. <laughs> but... We find out she's been sold to a brothel, which should be very alarming to him. Mm. Uh, he seems kind of like, oh, cool, we should go there. Yes. <laughs> um, Not, oh, hmm. 
Gracie Law has a plan to get them in. Uh, and that plan involves Kurt Russell dressing up like an asshole and going into this place, which is makes for some funny scenes. Yes. Where... <laughs> also a point at this point, it's been pointed out several times that, I what's her name again? Mia. Oh, uh, Meow Yen. Meow Yen has uh, emerald green eyes. Yeah, the big plot point in this movie is like, Lo Pan is looking for a, a Chinese woman with green eyes. But then it's pretty, they make a really big show of the fact that Kim Cattrall has green eyes in this so, movie too. So, you know, something's going to happen so, with that. So, yeah. So, and also we'll, we'll get to that. Poor Kim Cattrall. The, she does not have green eyes. So she had to wear contacts for this movie. It's very obvious contact. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, and it's like, it, apparently they were very painful. Uh, so painful. <laughs> poor her, but yeah. So, uh, it's funny too, is I really noticed it. Cause like you see it when she's first introduced, mm-hmm. uh, cause you're looking for the green eyes. Cause even in the cab, he's like, and she has green eyes. They're emerald, and that's really rare. Uh, when you first see Kim Cattrall, you notice that she has green eyes. But when Lo Pan has her captured, they really make a meal out of showing close-ups of her face in the right think, lighting, so the green eyes are really popping. Well, I think uh, the other the other girl, um, I'll get her name eventually. Mao Yen. Mao Yen. Yeah. Even when they show her, it's almost like it's like you're watching. They're almost glow. Her eyes are almost glowing. So it's yeah, like it's she face. probably had contacts in yeah. too. I would assume. Uh, I. Although, like, it was funny because I was like, I wonder if they did find someone with green eyes because they don't give her, she has like two lines in the movie. So if you were doing a casting for that role, you could just maybe try to find someone with green eyes and just go with it. I mean, I mean, it couldn't be worse than Wang. <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> Wang. Justin's coming for Wang's throat. So sad. Uh, but no, but so yeah, they go to the brothel. I can't remember what Kurt Russell's fake name is, but. He's he's pretty funny. He's like this is probably his best moment in my opinion in the movie yeah, where he's, he's actually just, fully She's like, Cash or card? He's like, uh, cash, I guess. It's not deductible, is it? And like <laughs> he's trying to be subtle, but he's like, I'd really love someone with green eyes. And you see one of the madams like, Ooh, uh, I know he's after you and then suspicious. Yeah, she goes into a secret door and you see that uh, Meow Yin is like uh there or whatever. But while he's like talking to some other woman the storms descend on the brothel, steal right. Meow Yen away. Uh, Jack rushes out and like everyone's just like, oh shit, that was technically nothing was accomplished. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah. basically all that happens is the storms show up and, and kidnap the already kidnapped Meow Yen. So Which, now, so now they have to deal with that. <laughs> what was, yeah. Looking back, there was really, was there any points to the Lords of death? It's like, not really. We, they kidnapped her so she could be kidnapped. It's like, <laughs> it's pretty convoluted. Yes. Uh, when you, when, when you were like, there's like four gangs. I was like, well, there's really only yeah, the two. Cool. And I was like, well, no, actually now that I think about it, there is like the Lords of death. And well, that's <laughs> well, my notes was I've lost count of how many gang names. <laughs> well, there's like the show. The, there was, it's a lot thrown at you. We're, and we're not, are we even 30 minutes in yet? And we're already. Oh, yeah. And speaking of the reporter, she doesn't really factor into the movie a lot, but this is also where we meet her because gracie law she's like wait i recognize that car hang on a second and she runs out into the rain gets in another car and that's where we see the reporter and the reporter she's like this weirdly anxious woman who's like i'll I'll do anything for a story like in this subplot it's, it's, it's typical 90s <laughs> woman reporter uh, i need a big story i need a big story <laughs> yeah I need a big this, story. this subplot goes like pretty much nowhere mm-hmm. uh she's just there to maybe hook up with eddie at the end of the movie like <laughs> Eddie and this this reporter lady are both pretty much nothing characters, yes. uh, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eddie's they're they're charming enough. I don't mind them in the movie. Yeah, uh, 
you don't really notice them a whole lot, but when they're there, they add a little bit. So like when nothing happens, nothing yeah. happens. <laughs> they, uh, you don't, you're not mad they're there, but you're not, nothing happens to them. So you can't, it, as yeah. little emotion as possible is put into them. Pretty much. Uh, and basically the pace of this movie is like, they try to do something. It usually doesn't go well. They reconvene somewhere and then they go back and try to do something. So that, that pattern begins here where they go to Gracie's office. They talk about what just happened. And they're like, okay, well, this reporter lady knows that Lopan is in charge of this company, so we'll just go to that building now. Uh, and we get some fun lines where uh, Kurt Russell's like, me and Wang are going to go alone. And he says, like, Gracie Law has got like, a fun line where he's like, he's like, if we're not back by morning, call the president. And like, he leaves. Like, it's just some, just some fun lines. They, they, they flirt a little bit in this scene, too. Mm-hmm. We're trying to like, lay the groundwork a bit i didn't notice it but i was watching the review for this movie i forgot that kurt russell walks into this building and he's holding a telephone like a full-on phone and he's like waving it around trying to be like we're the phone people we're legit and his <laughs> attempt to do that is to just be holding a phone which is pretty fucking funny actually like like they they were like this is literally like looney tunes logic and i yes. was like yeah kind of actually uh but works they kind of just talk their way into the building. They wander around. They end up in an elevator that ends up filling up with water. They escape it somehow. Again, there's, there's not a lot of logic. There's not a lot of figuring things out in this movie. Things just kind of keep happening because mm-hmm. uh, they get flooded and it seems like they're trapped. But then once the thing floods, they just kind of open the doors and swim out. I don't really know what's going on there. There's pretty, this is our first like really creepy shit though, where there's dead bodies in the water and they're they're pretty yeah. pretty creepy looking are they in like some kind of hell or something yeah they're like this is the upside down hell there's like a brief mention of like multiple le- levels of hell and like chinese religion and stuff like that uh which is interesting for sure uh but they just swim up to a grate and the guy that plays thunder is just standing there mm-hmm. and it just smash cuts to them captured <laughs> yeah the giant head scooby-doo villain dude <laughs> yeah uh and like really brief scene where he's like just beating Kurt Russell up, but then it just smash cuts again. The movie's just cutting a lot or they're being wheeled into a room where low pan is, uh, ancient to like, yeah, this is old, super old, low pan, ancient, uh, grizzled, like really disgusting looking like skin is just like crazy and decrepit. Uh, and he's like talking to them and they're just like, what do you want? And he's just, being really obtuse he's like i've lived for two thousand years and we get more exposition (laughs) more exposition (laughs) uh and then just really it's just an exposition scene they meet lopan they can't seem to connect the dots that this is lopan for some reason uh and then they just get kind of hustled away back to (laughs) being captured for some reason he doesn't put these guys down i don't know why uh he he really takes great joy in explaining that he's gonna well, marry Meow Yen and well, do all this crazy the, shit, but it's the classic movie villain where I'm going to disclose my whole plan to you, then not kill you. Yeah, it's funny because like Wang says a line later where he's like, Kurt Russell's like being pessimistic, and he's like, he's like, they, he would have killed us if he was going to kill us, and I was like, why didn't he kill you? <laughs> like, why is he keeping you alive? It doesn't make any sense. Uh, and the movie's not interested in explaining that, and that's okay. Uh, <laughs> but so they they kurt russell manages to like tip over his wheelchair gets loose freeze wang and then they pretend to be captured uh meanwhile eddie the reporter and gracie decide to infiltrate the building but thunder sees them and pretends to give them a tour and then captures them uh 
is bringing Eddie into this room, and that's when they jump thunder, and we get the fun sequence where Kurt Russell gets thrown back into the wheelchair and goes flying down the hallway and almost falls in the well, and they lock thunder in the room. They do the fun kind of exchange. They run off, because Eddie's like, they captured everybody else. We got to go save them. And they're just like, and again, everything's just always getting sidetracked where it's like, they were there to get Meow in, but now they got to rescue Gracie and this other woman. Uh, and yeah. Gracie gets kidnapped by, I, from the back, I was like, is that Chewbacca? That hasn't happened yet. Okay. This is, Gracie's been knocked out by oh, this yeah. guy and captured. They're going to get her and then she's going to get captured yeah. again. <laughs> yeah, and I brought, I brought that up where it's like, they're not, they're barely probably five minutes down the road. It's like, where's Gracie? <laughs> yeah. Well, Keep going. <laughs> yeah, they, they don't even turn around. I was like, let's go back and talk some more. <laughs> it's very weirdly structured. Yes. It's funny how much this movie feels like it moves, but when you really break down the bare bones of it, it, like, it doesn't well, make a lot of sense. Well, yeah, well that's what it, when the times they stop it and try to let it breathe, it's like, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> um, but they do. They, we get a fun scene where Wang and Eddie fight these two women, and they have like a pretty fun fight sequence on this bridge while kurt russell sort of like monkey bars his way over to the cells where he gets the reporter lady for some reason kim cattrall is like fully tied up there's like a line where she's like she was being kind of a handful so i don't know uh but well she was gracie law (laughs) i'm gracie law uh (laughs) she like puffs her chest out like superman when she says it's so funny it's like borderline iconic uh but so they he he Shops are free and they make a run for it. Again, it's just very chaotic because you don't know where they're going. You don't know what's happening. All all we really know is they get to this water where there's a tunnel and they all just kind of take turns diving in. And it's like, I guess this is where they're going. There's also all these other women that they freed. It's just very chaotic. Thunder comes up with all the guards and they shoot into the water. But seems like everyone escaped. We, we, this is another sequence where I giggled a little bit because Gracie Law surfaces in the water and she's like, every time someone pops up, she'll be like, where's so-and-so? And they'll be like, I don't know. And then they'll go. And then the person she just asked about will surface and she'll be like, where's so-and-so? And they're like, oh, fuck if I know. And they're like, it, they hit the beat like four times. And it's pretty funny to me. The last one being like, where's Jack? Jack. And then he pops up and they have a weird moment where they're like face to face and mm-hmm. he just kisses her. And she's like, what the fuck? And he's like, I got, I got caught up in the moment. And she's like, whatever. And we get more flirting with them because he's like, quit rubbing up against me. And she's like, what the fuck are you? I'm not like, so just, just some good sexual tension. Yeah. And, and they both look hot and wet. So whatever, like I mentioned, I was just going to hit that beat again. Wet. <laughs> <laughs> if I skipped over any of your notes. No, this is pretty low note taking. There's just so, there's so much shit going on. It's like, I don't understand. <laughs> it's very chaotic. Yes. Uh, they, they, uh, I think I did. I think I did put here. Uh, Wang all of a sudden is a kung fu fighter. Like they yeah, don't, they don't do anything. All of a sudden, he's doing backflips and yeah, he hasn't he hasn't been doing a lot of fighting. He has like a line early in the movie. He's like, "That's why I couldn't cut the bottle. My mind and soul weren't one." And so we're supposed to like mystically believe that because he's determined on this mission, that's why he's starting to be able to fight and stuff like that. But yeah. Uh, they, they, this is where we get the fun door sequence though, where they get to the door. He's like, all right, we just got to go through here. Yeah. It's like an office. So everyone just act casual. He opens it and there's just Al Young and a shitload of we're people. We're trapped. He's like, I think we're trapped. <laughs> <laughs> and then he's like, I think they only saw me, but they bust in and yeah, Wang fucking, uh, I think this is the, the scene where 
Kurt Russell shoots some of them, oh, yeah. and, and, then, and then you're like, there's <laughs> the infamous line that the first time you ever plucked somebody. <laughs> yeah, he's, who says that? <laughs> he's like, uh, no. I was like, he's a drunk driver. Who have you killed, Kurt yeah. Russell? Like, just, what, what kind of, what kind of, what's that movie where the trucker like stalks the people that like cut him off or whatever? Uh, it's uh, it's the one with Paul Walker. Right? Yeah, it's like the uh, hitchhiker, the stalker, yeah, um, or something like that. See. Night stalker. I don't know. It's gonna drive me nuts. So. <laughs> but you can keep going. Yeah, it's it's, it's okay. At some point, like. We get some fun beats where Kurt Russell shoots a bunch of people, uh, and then he like drops his knife and like I think this is later in the movie, but Wang just like kung fu's everybody while Kurt Russell is like bumbling around trying to find his knife and he like jumps back out. He's like, Oh, you took care of it. Okay, but Joyride, what's the movie? Joyride. Um But yeah, so they do they take these bad guys out. Again, the beats are so weird because like we gotta escape through this way. Oh no, we're screwed. Just kidding, we beat him, so everybody just come this way anyway, okay. Uh, they're running out. This is where we get the scene you've mentioned a few times where, uh, and they make a meal out of it too, where Kurt's like, Jax says to Gracie, you can head up the rear. Can you handle that? And she's like, yeah, I can handle that. Mm-hmm. And then, so she's the one that's in the back when the thing swings open and Chewbacca grabs her. Yes. Like what was the cross between Chewbacca <laughs> and like the werewolf from Bad Moon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's got a pretty jacked up face for sure. And like orange fur, like an orangutan or something. But she gets got, they get out to Egg Shen's bus, they think they've won, even though they still haven't gotten Meow Yen, yeah, uh, and then the, now they realize they've lost Gracie, too. And they just, keep, like I so said, they just keep going, it's like, huh? <laughs> we'll got, go back. Yeah, they gotta recoup, but we see Gracie deal with Lopan, Lopan's like, oh, you have green eyes, too, hmm. He's like, fuck it, I'll marry both of you, so you're like, oh, shit. Um, well, the, well, then there's also a confusing fact. He doesn't need a Chinese lady with green eyes. He just needs a lady with emerald green eyes. It's like, <laughs> I don't know. I guess he was, guess he was, didn't love uh, the idea of a uh, uh, white woman. I don't know. Like, <laughs> I, just, it was just a, so all you need is like, all you need is someone with green eyes. It yeah, you, it gets, it gets pretty. It took you 2,000 years to find one. There's a weird throwaway line where Jack says something. There's like, he's like, you know, you'd have to be pretty unlucky to take 2,000 years to find someone. Yeah. And he kind of has this line. He's like, he's like, well, you know how it is. It's tough out there. I was like, <laughs> that doesn't really explain anything. Well, Although later they do a ritual. Well, doesn't it, when you like when you look like a microwave chicken breast like Lopan does. <laughs> I think the big thing that the movie's trying to hint at is there's this burning blade ritual that they have to survive. And I think maybe it's insinuating that he's put uh, other women through yeah, through this ritual and they haven't I survived. Do yeah, uh, they don't like explain it very well, but that was the indication that I got. But it, because it being a movie, of course, they both survive it somehow. Um, but yeah, so Gracie's caught. She's gonna she's gonna be a double bride. Uh, so that sucks. They reconvene. They decide that and they're gonna get Egg Shen to help them this time. And also, no explanation. The monster just goes away. Yeah, he, he chains her up and then just kind of fucks off until he yes. wants to show up. He's later. no longer needed. We'll, we'll not explain <laughs> what that is or what the fuck, why the fuck it looks like that. Yeah, nope, no explanation. Yeah. Uh, so we kind of cut back and forth between Egg Shen. They're infiltrating through this underground passage where there's like a moat and bogs and creatures. And it's, it's interesting because like at this point, if they hadn't hit the beat of them having to infiltrate a place so many times, this would feel kind of cool and fantastical. But it also feels a little tedious because it's like, haven't we done this like four times yeah. already? 
which I think that's supposed to be some of the comedy as they failed so many times before. It's like, are they going to do it now? And yeah, possibly some of the beats are, are kind of funny where it's like, well, this time we're going this way. So it's definitely going to work yeah. out. But yeah, we see like cre- a creature pop out of the walls and crazy shit. We see the burning blade ritual where we watch for a while while this guy like spins some blades around and like marches down and presents them to the two women and they rise up and touch a globe and a low pan's like, both of them lived. I will marry both of them. Fuck it. Uh, <laughs> also trying to find this quote, which I laughed at because I thought to myself, somebody actually wrote that. Let me see if I can find Because I, I try to write out notes, but I don't think it's word for word. I have to write this word for word because I laughed at this quote. Let me see if I can find this. When he's got the magic potion, uh, egg guy does. I can't. Uh, like when Kurt Russell talks to him about it. Yeah, we'll see if he's I like, can, He's I... like, what's that? Some kind of magic potion? He's like, he's like, yes. He's like, what, are we supposed to drink it? He's like, yes. He's like, that's what I thought. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's like a writer actually wrote that dialogue. I think that line's pretty funny. It's, I... meant, it's meant to be a little goofy, because like the big thing with Jack Burton in this movie is he's just constantly posturing and asking questions. So he's him being like, What's that? A magic potion? He's like, yeah, that's what I thought. What are we supposed to do? Drink it? Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. It's like, no, you didn't. Just, You're a fucking idiot. Uh, like, I think that's I can, part of the humor of it. I can see it that vibes like <laughs> somebody actually wrote magic potion. We drink it? Yeah. <laughs> well, Egg Shen's like, that's a po- that's his response like is just yeah. <laughs> like what? What? I, I can see that. <laughs> at the time, I was just like, huh? <laughs> like. That's the dialogue we're getting. It's it's pretty classic stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but the, yeah, they they do drink a magic potion, and it's pretty funny because they're like riding an elevator, and Kurt uh, Kurt Russell's like, you know, I'm I'm feeling pretty good actually, and yeah, Wang's like, yeah, I'm feeling pretty good too. You're supposed to see things you, no one else can see, or something like that. Or, yeah, it's yeah. just it's like goofy, fun, mystic stuff. Like, doesn't really pay off much. I guess maybe it explains why Wang can fly through the air now, but. Doesn't really seem to do much for Kurt Russell. <laughs> yeah, it's just. I think he just. He mentioned it like once to Kim Cattrall before. Yeah, he's like, I drank a potion. I'm feeling pretty good. Uh, but before he gets freaking faced up with lift. <laughs> yeah, so the the rituals happening. They're in this insane lair where the skull is lined with neon, and there's it's a, it's a really I like the set a lot. It's a really cool looking set. I think the sets in the movie all look super cool. Um, but it's all just a mishmash that they're infiltrating the weddings going on all the, like, there's a lot of weird shit where Kurt Russell keeps being like, this is a trap. And the action's like, no, they're just busy with the wedding. And I'm like, are they like, what's going on here? And then like, it turns out that they really kind of just are. So that's why they're easily infiltrating this place. It, it's very bizarre. Uh, they see a beholder, just like straight up a D and D monster with multiple eyes floating around the hall yeah that thing where it's like oh he can see us <laughs> yeah it's like got an eye on its tongue like uh, okay uh it's it's pretty creepy looking but Kurt russell shoots it and just kind of goes i don't know i had to try <laughs> uh but they infiltrate the wedding Lopan, they're like no wait you have to let him take the blood so that he becomes flesh that we can kill him uh he he gets the blood from from Yao yen and then a big fight ensues huge <laughs> thing pretty classic moment where kurt russell like shoots into the air and rocks fall down and like 
knock him out for the first chunk of the fight. I chuckled at that, too. Like, yeah, that's It's like the fight jumps off, and he's just laying. There's a great shot of him just laying on the ground. Uh, I I liked a lot more how I not clock watching. Like, I can go to bed and, like, 15 minutes. minutes. (laughs) I'm counting down the end of this movie at this point. The end goes on for a... The the final sequence lasts for a surprisingly long amount of time. Because I remember, like, pausing it for a second and being like, whoa, there's still, like, 25 minutes left, and they're in the chamber fighting right now. Uh, like, what more is there? But we, long fight sequence, Wang kicks a lot of ass, all the people does, are... Does 10 million backflips. That was his go-to move, just... Yeah. Kurt, Kurt Russell doing something, all of a sudden, Wang backflips behind him. Yeah. <laughs> no, he really loves the backflips. <laughs> it's pretty funny. He's he's fighting, I believe, Rain. Yeah, uh, yeah Rain is the one he's fighting. And then... Uh, but Lopan's still trying to complete the ritual. Kurt Russell tries to run up, gets, like, finally wakes up, gets stuck under a guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, doesn't go super well for him. <laughs> um, so that's that's pretty funny. He eventually does manage to get to Gracie, and she's like, "We gotta save them." They Lopan runs off with with Meow Yin. He's like, "Fuck it, I'll sacrifice her. I don't give a shit." Uh, so Wang chases after him. Kurt Russell and Gracie start to chase after them. They get like a they're like in the elevator for a moment, and they get like a they're kind of like he's like, "Oh, why why are you dressed up like that?" She's mm-hmm. like, I, "I don't know. I was getting married." He's kind of like, "Hmm." Like it's just, I like his like tone here, where he's like, his dialogue is very much like, "I'm, you look really hot, but I don't want to say it," and then mm-hmm. and then they just make out, mm-hmm. which is why he has lipstick on his face for the <laughs> this next chunk or whatever. Well, till, and someone calls him out on it too, like you have lipstick. <laughs> yeah, but they run up on Lopan. Uh, Wang is ends up fighting somebody. Kurt Russell faces down with Lopan, throws his knife at Lopan. Lopan's he, like, "What?" <laughs> throws his knife in the head and just. Well, he he throws it at him and misses completely. And Lopan's <laughs> like, huh, picks up the knife. He's like, nice knife, and like throws it back. Kurt Russell catches it and then throws it back. And it's been it's been like set up that he's got decent reflexes because he so, did it with yeah. the bottle at the beginning well, of the movie. That he he says that like three times in the first ten minutes of the film, then doesn't say it. Through. Yeah, like, he's gonna drop it at some point. <laughs> drop the line, and then nope, nope. Yeah, but he he does kill Lopan again talked about it. he's got lipstick on so it's a little silly well, but it's, it's very anti-comector it's just like <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yeah just hits it's him and he's dead it's up there it's up there with harry potter and voldemort like <laughs> i have this you don't dead <laughs> uh but wang's i think still fighting somebody uh but everything starts I'll like doing backflips yeah thunder shows up sees lopan's dead balloons up into like a boomer from left for dead and then explodes very the- also confusing because i'm thinking he's going to turn to like some kind of super super monster where you get this cool fight nope he just yeah he, he just, just dies he just blows up for some reason and- uh lightning is uh confronts them but they just kind of conveniently find a hole and jump through it yeah uh, and then egg shen is up there there's a pretty funny exchange where they're like how'd you get up there and he goes it was hard <laughs> I was like, I just, I, I laughed when that happened. I was like, they really just said, fuck it, didn't well, they? Well, well, they haven't explained anything. Why explain that? <laughs> yeah, he shoots a rope down in there, uh, trying to get away. Uh, Wang almost gets got by lightning, but the next just throws a statue at lightning and takes him <laughs> out. And they just escape. They, yes. they, they, they win. They, they, they're free. They, they find Kurt Russell's truck and they drive off and they escape. And, so like uh wang and uh, meow yin kiss and uh gracie and jack are kind of awkward 
and then the final scene where they're just kind of like and they they set up uh was it to- was it terry or was it was the other guy the guy that went eddie eddie like yeah there's a there's a scene before they go do this final mission where the reporter lady is like i'm coming with you and there's like a throwaway line where they're like well eddie would be really sad if you went and gone because he's got the hots for you so it's just this weird random yeah, bit. So it's just random. Like we have a guy, we have a girl. They must be together. Yeah, <laughs> like just a trope where it's like just random people who haven't done anything. Put them together. Yeah, it happens, especially in like teen romance movies. There's always just like, oh, and then these two characters got together for no reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, but well, yeah. they still do that now. That's what my they did that in like that. You talk about Ryan Reynolds that Six Underground movie where <laughs> at the end, just two of the random people are just together at the end. Sure, why not? Yeah. Um really weird scene because they're sort of celebrating at the restaurant everybody's happy egg shen kind of has like this like all right i'm gonna go on vacation and they're like okay see you later and then uh gracie's kind of like talking to jack like oh are we gonna like be together and jack's kind of like i don't think so and you're (laughs) like wait what (laughs) like it's this like weird undercut thing where he's like it's it's, he leaves it very loose where he's like he's like i'll call you and she's like, I'll see you around. And he's like, maybe. And so I don't don't know what that's all about. Like I they kind of I, they, they, they I kinda, was pretty sleepy. I thought he said something like maybe get a room for a cab with room for two or yeah, something. Yeah, he says like it's like maybe I'll get a truck big enough for the both of us. And she's like, that sounds kind of nice. And he's kind of like, mm, meh, maybe. <laughs> and I was like, what? Because like they shoehorn this romance in, and then he kind of cops out at the end. Well, but, like, it's all hundred percent for him. Like he like he's supplying the majority of this tension and everything. <laughs> well, tension. <laughs> it's supposed to be tension desire maybe yes, yes. uh but yeah so he's giving it too much credit i think no I, you're right but yeah he just kind of fucks off into the night and he's back on the cb radio and we end by seeing the monsters yes, on his truck the, mo- for the monster which we don't know what it is what's the point what's it doing what's it do i don't know it's there <laughs> we just need a really cool ending yeah there was a lot of talks of like doing sequels to this film but obviously it didn't yeah, when you, do very well when, when your gross is negative million it's like yeah we probably shouldn't go back to that yeah i think they've maybe made subsequent comic books but i'm not sure like it is very much a world where you could see it like i see what they were doing like they were leaving the jack burton gracie thing open-ended because it was maybe the, like one of the biggest influences on this film was like indiana jones right mm-hmm. and so they wanted this indiana jones-esque figure to be going on adventures and they weren't sure what like tune in for the next adventures of jack burton or whatever which again i think undercuts the idea that this movie's like subversive because we do fully just end with jack off on another adventure unless your take of the movie is just the monster murders him i don't know yeah you could tell they wanted jack burton to be a big thing like where he says like what jack burton would say is like who me but yeah that's that's the end like I, the monster thing i knew i remember the first time i ever watched the movie being very like the first time i saw the monster mm-hmm. it's very jarring because it's a pretty horrifying looking creature mm-hmm. and you're n- nothing in the movie has really prepared you to see something like that mm-hmm. so i don't know as a but that's the end of the movie as a as a first timer uh, like what what would your final thoughts be uh too fast. I I had final notes actually. Let me see. If bring them. You think I would actually have these prepared? But okay, I have. Uh, okay, movie moves too fast. Obviously, there's no time to breathe, and when it's time to breathe, it's like, why are we stopping? Like, someone just got kidnapped, and we're not going back. Uh, I had 
there's really like I was expecting like all the stuff like you point out moral lines I remember that eh, that's kind of funny but I just don't remember any meaningful dialogue that happens in the movie at all it's just 100% this random action just throwing you it's it's hot shotting pretty much where it's like shit's randomly happening we don't know what's happening it's constant chaos and yeah I don't know like watching it again there's definitely a lot of lines that I, I found and, really entertaining though yeah yeah well I think it's well when you're watching it first and you're disillusioned with it you're probably not remembering like I said I my notes are just really choppy because I'm taking a lot of notes first and I notice notes aren't coming in quite as fast anymore. <laughs> and of course I have a uh, Wang is the worst actor. I maybe I don't I don't think he's the worst ever. Yeah, that might be a little I just remember, <laughs> I just being done with it like wow, that was interesting. Yeah, we're not we're, quite at like Tommy Wiseau levels here. Yeah. But, uh, but it's just when you when you watch a movie and it's like you could tell you were into it, it's just like well, that was that. And then, yeah. That's like, I just, like I said, it doesn't help. I'm watching this as I am like, I'm going to bed. <laughs> yeah. I had fun watching this this time around though. Like it'd been a minute since I'd seen it. It's just so full of eighties and it's such a, like a weird, unique beast. Like for me, it's hard not to just fall in step with them. Like it's so, this is the kind of movie that you do have to get on board with and just go for the ride though. Cause like mm-hmm. if you're, not having a good time engaging with the characters there's not a lot to grab on to yeah, I mean, it's very much a roller coaster ride in every sense of the word where even the pace of it is whoa yeah. whoa okay now we're slow for a second and then do 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 whoa do 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 like just over and over again and like it's just like this is definitely the kind of movie that another thing was like watching those slasher halloween movies for the show um i was like Oh, these would be so much funner with like a group to just sit around and like joke about. Cause in like a slasher movie, you just want to be with friends watching like, Oh my God, is she going to get fucking stabbed? Oh shit. Like, like uh, half the reviews that are very positive for this movie are like, they were showing this at a theater and I went and saw it with the crowd and it was really fun. I'm like, this movie would be really fun to like go see with people. Like if you're just like alone, sleepy yeah. trying to watch this movie with yeah. no nostalgia well, attached whatsoever I, th- <laughs> like, I think the same way with a comedy comedies are 10 times better watch other people because for like, sure laughter grows and when like you know while you'll think something funny you'll laugh like if someone's like gut busting laughing you'll find yourself getting into that and then i don't know how i feel about this movie if i had no nostalgia attached to it because like it's not a movie i grew up watching but it's a movie i saw a few times when i was younger so it's one of those movies that when I play it, I'm like, oh, yeah, this scene. Oh, this is fun. Oh, I like this part. And Kurt Russell's just so charismatic that it's hard not to like him. And I like, like, he's literally trading on the cachet of the other stuff he's been in that I like, where I'm just like, I love Kurt Russell. I'll watch him do anything. I don't give a fuck. Like, so, and, and the aesthetic is really interesting. And, like, it's an 80s movie, so I'm just loving the 80s-ness oozing off of it. The score is fun because it's it's a John Carpenter movie, so the score is always going to be interesting. And I like the way it's directed. Like I, I think it's this movie's an interesting place where I think it is a little bit overrated for sure. Because there are people that fucking love this movie, but this is also the kind of movie where if someone loves this movie to pieces, I don't really have an argument for it. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not going to sit here and tell you that it's objectively bad. It's just there's things about it that maybe don't work for some people, but if you're on board for the ride, it's hard to argue with the experience of it. 
So I don't really make guests do ratings anymore. Uh, but you're more than welcome to give a rating if you would like to. Uh, like I said, something's. I think I said Congo. Something's watchable. I feel like I have to give, to give it a five. I don't see myself ever going. Maybe I could see myself giving another chance, possibly again. But I probably give this movie about three out of out of ten. Jeez. Yeah. Ouch. <laughs> another thing I kept going on about was like this got seventy five percent Rotten Tomatoes. Like. Think of how many like I think of how many good movies I enjoy that got you look at the that's the critics was seventy five percent and the audience was eighty. It's like Yeah, the thing is though, like when it dropped, I, I don't like Rotten Tomatoes as like a uh I don't like Rotten Tomatoes in general because it's deceptive. Mm-hmm. Because a movie could get a two and a half out of four from every critic and have a hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Like one time I was looking through I was using Rotten Tomatoes as like a what are some of the best films of the year that I missed? And some of the stuff that was getting like a hundred percent, every critic review was like 2.2 or, or like just over halfway enough to give it like a fresh rating. Mm-hmm. But because it was like just decent enough of a movie that nobody hated it, it was ranked really highly on this list, well over movies that were like incredible films. And so like the movie does have like a 75, but I doubt it's like, 75% of people are giving it five out of five. It's Very just a true. fun enough ride that 75% of people are at least giving it like a three out of five or like a six out of 10. Um, so, but I mean, if you didn't enjoy it, like yeah. it is what it is. Yeah. That's just, I just feel like a five is it's watchable and I'll watch it again. Like I don't see myself ever going back to this. It's very much a, a time I regret. It is a fun, I knew it would be, I went into it like I'm skeptical, but show me something. And like I said, I want to go in with a clean palette. And I thought I, like I said, I wasn't when I fully committed to it. I wasn't truly expecting what it was. Mm-hmm. But so it's still it was still fun to watch, just to try something new. I don't. It's nice to go out of your comfort zone. Movies I feel like personally. So for sure, yeah, I'm I'm glad you were interested in trying this movie out. It's always fun to do a reverse episode too. And like mm-hmm. I always, whenever I'm doing a movie with like. uh I hate to keep going back to it, but it's just so fresh in my memory. But I was doing those Rob Zombie Halloween movies, right? Mm-hmm. And my guest, Bryn, she fucking loves those movies. And like, I was trying to tread really carefully because I thought the first one was pretty fucking bad. <laughs> uh, and I gave it a pretty fucking low rating. And I was talking t- tentatively about it. I was being kind of nice about it. And then I hit it with like a 2.5 out of 10 or something at the end. She was like, whoa. And she had given it like, a seven out of 10. I was just like, I don't know. I didn't like it. So I mean, I don't (laughs) like horror films regardless, but I mean, especially if there's just some people so dedicated to certain levels of film, it's like, you're not Mm going to change their opinion. Yeah. I, I I didn't like, I told you before, I'm not going to try a totally shit on this movie, but it's just like, it's just, it's it's also really interesting. You're reminding me now that another thing I wanted to talk about with John Carpenter about him being like disillusioned with Hollywood Mm -hmm. is all his movies have found an audience like later, but at the time when he was making these movies, even stuff like the thing didn't do very well. The thing is for some people, if you look at like greatest horror films of all time, the thing is routinely, if not in first place, at least a top five greatest horror film of all time, period, end of sentence, horror in general, not best John Carpenter movie, best horror movie, but at the time didn't do well. And so, this guy's had a weird career where Halloween and the thing 
and Big Trouble in Little China and For Some People Escape from New York are like these iconic movies, and yet none of them did particularly well when he first made them. And it's taken him a really long time to find an audience. And I always feel bad for the guy because he's had such a weird, fucked up career where he's clearly he, talented, but like he just never seemed to catch a break for some reason. Uh, but it's also like he makes movies like this, like I find Escape from New York very divisive and you didn't super enjoy your time with this movie. And it's like, that's another thing with his movies is like, they're not necessarily for everyone and you have to like, that's why they've taken so long to find their audience, you know? So it's, it's just really interesting. I was really, I, I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated to hear your thoughts. Like, cause my instinct would just be like, to be talk about, and then this is really fun. And then this is really fun, but you're making me think like, yeah, this plot doesn't really hold up. Does it? Cause they stop and start and stop and start. And yeah, the guy playing Wang isn't actually turning in the greatest performance ever, is he? <laughs> and like, uh, so yeah, it's, it's it's a really interesting perspective that I'm not sure that many people get to hear too, because mm-hmm. I feel like the only people that talk about Big Trouble in Little China these days are just people that love it. Well, yeah, it's definitely a movie you gotta love to know. I feel like I feel like yeah. you know, nobody's going on like doing like me on whim. Like, I think I'll watch this movie. It's a movie you gotta probably watch when you're younger, and it sticks with you. Like for sure. Like another bad thing is like. Cinephobe right now did they did a uh, well it was over it was a recent one that they did a uh, the teen, the teenage mutant ninja turtles one and, mm. and it's like that's my childhood and it's like they're talking about all this stuff i'm like wow it sounds really bad and uh, that's a good movie yeah. people that hate on that movie have no well, they do like the, se- no the secret of the the not the i think the first one actually scored really good the oh, second okay. the second one did really bad on rotten tomatoes and the third one was the, pretty, the sequels are pretty rough <laughs> I, I was always a fan of the second one more than the uh, other they're, they're likable yes. like i mean especially if you're in all in on the but just like it, when you're a kid like that's all i cared about for sure i mean well, i mean compared to the michael bay one they're, they're fucking oscar worthy <laughs> yeah that's what i was talking about though is like reaching that age where i was walking out of a theater being like why am i not happy that i just saw a movie uh well a theater also just the theater or something about the theater that like i said i'll say because we have people now, like uh, some of our friends will be like, talk about like, oh, no need to go to a theater. It's coming straight to this. I said, but there's something about a theater that can just put you in. Like I walked out of Transformers 2 Revenge of the Fallen thing that was better than the first one then. Yeah. Because you, you got, you got the, you know, you got the sound system and you're into it. Then you rewatch sure. it. It's like, what is this garbage? Like, well, yeah, I do think, I, I, I do think the experience, like I'm a, I'm a, someone that really, as much as I watch all this shit on my phone. I'm just like going to the theater is a great experience. Like I, I wish I went and seen Nope in IMAX because it probably would have been even cooler. And I'm someone who like I don't even go to IMAX that much, but I went and saw like the new Matrix movie in IMAX and I was like, holy shit, this is crazy. Like look how big this is and the sound is amazing and blah blah blah. But I think the only movie I've seen in IMAX maybe was uh the Prisoner of Azkaban, the Harry Potter. <laughs> really? That's yeah. an interesting one. Yeah. 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 Well I well it, I was in, I think I was in, I was in California when it uh, came oh, cool. out and my uncle was, is just has a lot of money. It's like, let's go do stuff. It's like the Harry Potter came out today. You like Harry Potter. Cause I was, I think I was a, I was thinking I was in junior high. So I'm balls in on reading every Harry Potter. Sure. Book. It's like, let's go see it. As we all were. Yeah, sure. I mean, as much as like, I've like outgrown that franchise. Like weirdly, my dad really likes some of the early Harry Potter movies. And so they come up a lot in my house and I'll, I'll catch him like watching the Sorcerer's Stone. I'm like, you know what? This is pretty charming, actually. The movies like, aren't bad because, you know, Felicia will, her favorite thing to do when we do movie night is we'll just binge watch all, binge watch all of them. 
<laughs> and it's still, I still hold out the fact they do a they do a Lord of the Rings thing now. They're making a TV series. Of course, they're spending like a billion dollars on it. <laughs> Leaves me hope that maybe down the line they'll do a TV series of Harry Potter. They can at least do some justice to like all the subplots that they exit out. Like, yeah, me, me and you talked about. It, I know, and I've I've kind of backed off how hard it used to be. The Goblet of Fire. It's entirely not reasonable to, unless you're Zack Snyder to think you're going to fit all of that in a movie. Right. But just how they kind of just they did. Like to get to a certain way, they took a lot of the mystery out of it. I feel like, yeah, like, I, I still don't. I I've grown up enough to know. No, you can't put all of that book yeah. into a two-hour movie. But they also just completely changed some things that well, seemed yeah. really weird to well, change. They took, they took the shock. <laughs> I remember reading the book, and when uh, spoilers, people be young. <laughs> spoilers for Harry Potter. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> but, uh, when it's like you know when Moody's. You know, Barry Crouch Jr., he's not, and it was like the side plot they were throwing here and there. You just thought like, oh, this is pretty sick. Like, you think it's going to go one way, and then it's like, no, it goes back to this. And it's like, holy shit, like, and they make Crouch in the movie, like, he's in multiple scenes, and it's like, and they make it so there's no question about whether he was innocent or not. It's just, right. And they could just do a lot better with that, and I don't know. It's just, that, just coming out of that where they just, especially when, like, it's probably best to look at, especially when you're young and you're so pumped up about the books and you want to see this and you're expecting at least some similarity and there's not. Yeah. Whereas, whereas now I feel like with any book you go into it, like, okay, where are they going to keep out of it? Speaking of other films, we always end with recommendations. So is there anything you would like to recommend? I'm going to go a little crazy with this one. Uh, speaking of the Kung Fu, Chinatown, goofy silliness, I'll go back to one of my favorites. Beverly Hills Ninja with Chris Farley. <laughs> that's a that's a yeah, weirdly fair connection, I yes. think, uh, tone wise. At yes, least. it's the closest. <laughs> it's the only kung fu movie I remember watching growing up. I'm not. Being, <laughs> I've yeah. actually never seen it. I, for, the thing is crazy. They're talking about this on another podcast too, where it's like the, just the that era SNL. The people who think like it's the funniest group of people ever. And then you got the people who like right. shit on it. For me, that era is just whether it's Sandler, Spade, Farley, Rock, yeah, you know all that, cr- all that crew, even like smaller guys like Tim Meadows, like you throw them in a movie and it's just like people are gonna watch it. That's what on well, on some of one of the guys on there absolutely hates Sandler films. Oh really? Yeah, the only one he likes is "Don't Mess with the Zohan," which is odd, but <laughs> one of my least favorites. Yeah, yeah, but he, <laughs> but I think it's funny because they always do like the Rotten Tomatoes and audience scores on the Sandler films are always fucking high and they go of budget and he like has this defeated like it grossed this much money like, <laughs> like it's, it just makes me laugh because like yeah he's bulletproof but the only one I can remember that flop was uh that's my boy but I mean or maybe bulletproof yeah uh, that, that's a funny movie though <laughs> I don't think it did very well though yeah. but I actually like that movie <laughs> well I just remember when I don't when I was a kid because I knew about every Adam Sandler movie it's like I don't know this movie. Why have I heard about it? Yeah, this? we had it on VHS, so I, yeah, I, I just I had on VHS I watched well. it a lot. Yeah, uh, yeah I, people on this show know I've talked about Adam Sandler a million times. So yeah, I saw you had an Adam Sandler episode. I, was yeah, I just did a whole episode on Adam Sandler movies. It was a fucking blast. Uh, <laughs> I the thing is weird. Like his new stuff on Netflix. I've heard the Hustle movies very good. I haven't. I've heard the Hustle's good. Uh, I just I did a whole episode on him because I I realized I was like in terms of my cinematic formation as a movie watcher adam sandler as a child for me was literally integral to what i grew up watching Mm -hmm. like he was my favorite actor 
He was in all of my favorite movies. Like Happy Gilmore and Billy Madison were movies I watched ad nauseum. It was like those two and Dumb and Dumber were just three movies I just watched a million times as a kid. I remember as a kid being angry that he did Punch Drunk Love. It's like, what are you doing? Yeah, it's funny because now that I'm older, that movie's fucking amazing to me. Uh, I've only seen bits and pieces of it. It's like, it's a movie that when you're a kid and you're used to dumb, happy Yomore, little Nicky mm-hmm. stuff, Punch Drunk Love's going to seem really weird. But now that I like Paul Thomas Anderson and I like that kind of shit, like Punch Drunk Love easily is one of my favorite Adam Sandler movies now. Having watched it finally for the first time a year or two ago, I was like, I think about that movie all the time. He's so good in it, but it's, it's weird. It's like, it's not his usual shit. And if you only like him for his usual shit, it's going to be a weird experience. But it was, it was so funny because like knowing he can, he's capable of being decent in films. Like when uncut gems was coming out, everyone was like, what the fuck is this? I was like, dude. He can act when he wants well, that's, to. That's like, to be an adult. And then Uncut Jim's <laughs> like, oh, I got to see that. People said Sandler's legit in it. Yeah. And it's easy to forget because like, I'm so plugged in at this point and I knew what to expect. Mm-hmm. There's still this uh, avalanche of reviews of people being like, I don't know what, what's going on with this movie. It's so dark and weird. I was trying to watch an Adam Sandler movie and I'm like, wow, there really still is just people that clicked on it because Adam Sandler was in it and they were fully expecting like the ridiculous six and they got uncut gems <laughs> uncut jams uh but so is that your that's your big yeah. recommendation is yes, beverly hills ninja with chris Farley. it's pretty it's good chris farley uh chris rock uh the uh the guy who plays luke hang in mortal Kombat. don't know <laughs> that's a great example yeah, of yes. people who you only yes. know for yes. mortal Kombat. yes and uh, i'm trying to think i think nicolette sheridan is the girl in it i don't know the movie so uh but it's funny that the movie I was going to recommend you you brought up apropos of nothing. I was going to recommend little showdown in Tokyo yeah. kind of as a joke, but also Al Young is in it. So it's a weird connection and the names are so similar. I have a big soft spot for the early Brandon Lee attempts to be an action star movie. So I do actually recommend giving little showdown in Tokyo a spin. If you're into that, if you're into like fun, early nineties action, like it's a pure, it's not going to blow your mind. It's just like it's Dolph Lundgren and Brandon Lee, and they have pretty decent chemistry. Like it's it's just a fun little well, little movie. I mean, I, I just explained to you my favorite movie with low expectations was The Condemned. I think I <laughs> I do I do like Rapid Fire as well, so I would recommend that. Okay. Um, and I I think I remember. I want to say Showdown in Little Tokyo is better than Rapid Fire, but I don't remember for sure. It was a like these are the kind of movies I watch like with friends, like drunk at like midnight. So I don't remember the a lot of it. It's ninety nine percent of my movie experience. <laughs> yeah, but and my last recommendation will be I think I've recommended on the show just because I've mentioned it a bunch. But I'll just go with the loose James Hong connection. But my favorite film that has come out this year is Everything Everywhere All at Once. Uh, I believe it's out now. Like you can buy it or rent it. It's just available. Um, I thought this movie was fucking incredible. Um, and if you want a movie that's like, feels like it really does justice to Chinese culture and you didn't feel like this movie scratched that itch, like, boy, do I have the movie for you. It's called everything everywhere all at once. Like it's a fucking incredible movie. It's very specific. It's, it's a lot. I've, 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 I was like glowingly talking about it and I've had friends be like, I don't know. There was just so much and it got a little like not tedious, but like overwhelming with the pacing and I thought it could have been a little shorter and I'm like, ah, I disagree, but I understand where you're coming from, which again is why 
I like hearing other people's opinions because it can kind of make me just reevaluate my own perspective where for me, the stuff and everything all everywhere all at once is ticking so many boxes for me personally that I just am like, what a perfect movie. And then you hear other people talk about it and you're like, oh, okay, you that didn't quite gel with you as well. But for me, that was super working. And it reminds me of like talking about these John Carpenter movies where maybe I was projecting something like, because some of the themes of the movie are themes that I feel really strongly about that maybe other people don't ponder that much, but it's something I think about all the time. So I was like, holy shit, I can't believe they made a movie about this. But yeah, I mm-hmm. really, really love that movie. And I would love for anyone that hasn't seen it yet to check it out. It's uh, it's pretty crazy. It's like full on multiverse crazy ass movie, but it's it's I think it's great. I I still haven't even made my best of the year list for last year, so uh, far be it for me to talk about my best of the year list this year, <laughs> but so far nothing has beaten it for me right. that I've seen this year, but yeah. I think of any movies I haven't even seen this year. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's been a it's been a weird year. I'd have to like look through my list, but also, this showing this how disillusioned I was. This movie shows you how hard it is for me just to devote time to a movie. Where I like, <laughs> want to go to bed. Hey, man, it's hard. And speaking of bed, I've probably already kept you past your bedtime tonight too. So, um, geez, <laughs> caffeine and alcohol free this month. But yeah, <laughs> is there uh, anything you'd like to plug before we yes, wrap up? I'll here? plug a couple things. I'll talk about uh, the podcast Cinephobe with Zach Harper, Amina Hassan, and Anthony Mays. They break down uh, poorly reviewed uh, Rotten Tomato movies and determine whether or not they were properly rated. That sounds fun. And and also, I like to plug also, because we talked about the thing, uh, for dog lovers out there, if you're not sure about a movie, (laughs) doesthedogdie.com. It will tell you everything you need to know about if there's a dog and it dies in a movie, so you can avoid it, like me. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a handy website. Like, I know my dad has a hard time handling movies where animals get hurt, too, like, it's always, I get a little cynical because there's a part of me that's like, there's no like, does the human die.com? Like, but, but there's a, there's an argument to be like, animals are innocent. Like, there's, there's a different, like, there's a difference. Like, it's like, there's a difference in like seeing animal harm and like human harm and stuff like that. But, uh, so yeah, like, I will say, yeah, uh, I, I do heartily recommend the thing and it's worth talking about because we're talking about John Carpenter, but, there's, there's a little bit of doggy demise in it for well, sure. <laughs> I'll hopefully admit I like dogs more than people. So that's fair. Kill the people all day. <laughs> like it's awful to talk about, but like those where I used to just watch the random Saturday morning sci-fi shitty movies and dino crocs on there. And there's a dog in this scene. I'm like, the dog better not die. But then <laughs> the freaking crocodile, there's like a 10 year old kid bites him all the way up, up to the head as a reverse decapitation of him. And it's like, that was pretty cool. <laughs> so that's reminds that people's pretty dark. <laughs> no, it's the dogs are innocent. We love dogs. Like there's a reason why dog and cat videos are so popular on the internet. Uh, they, they why. tick a box for us as I humans, <laughs> but yeah, so those are great plugs. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I think that's going to do it for us. Right. That was uh big trouble in little China. Thank you so much for coming on, Justin. It was no. really fun to watch this movie again. Like, like I said, right when the, the truck starts driving on screen and the music hit. I started smiling. I was like, yeah, this is going to be good. I I had a good time watching this. Uh, Sorry. It didn't quite hit super deep for you, but I'm glad you were able to come on and still dissect it with me. I think this was a lot of fun. Like I said, I enjoyed stepping out of my comfort zone and definitely put myself out there and 
well, well, thank you for having me back on. And yeah, for look, sure. looking forward to maybe doing future episodes. Oh, hundred percent. Like, it's always a joy, and it's nice to uh, have repeat guests on where you can just kind of fall right into it and just talk talk shit. It's <laughs> it's fun. Uh, like I love interviewing people, but I love having previous guests on too. It's just it's a good time. I love having guests on the show in general. My <laughs> least favorite thing to do with the show is do solo episodes because it's sad and lonely. I like having people on. Yes, do these episodes go two and a half hours long, and when my solo episodes go an hour, but that's okay. That's for that's for future Jake to worry about. Well, if you do, uh, if you enjoy doing a podcast by yourself, I think that's a slight sign of narcissism. Well, yeah, maybe. I I find I yeah, I have to examine that with myself. (laughs) I will will part with that. I'll, uh, I'll I'll look at myself in the mirror and be like, "Is this narcissistic?" And then I'll answer myself. No, you're well, good. <laughs> well, if you don't enjoy it, then <laughs> it's just it's just funner to talk shit with other people. Yeah. Oh. Uh, I, I do the I do the solos out of necessity. But uh, anyway, let's go do it. Yep. Speaking of, get for us out. here on Clear Tended Classics, let's get the fuck out of here. Uh, this has been Jake and Justin, and as I always say at the end of every episode, I will catch you all on the flip flop later. Bye, guys. <laughs>